This podcast is part of Podcast One Sportsnet. All right, guys. First off, let's talk about who's here. Steve Fazig. You may not know this, the only two-time Super Contest champion. I don't <laughs> Are you going to show your tattoo with the two-time? Okay. A.J. Hoffman, new guy, but if you're listening to the pod, college basketball expert. He did have Northeastern, though. Let's just be honest. Steve Cofield, if you're from Vegas, you know Steve Cofield. Biggest name in sports talk in town. He's going to be the professional here. You like professional things up. Is that right, Steve? Yes. And the amateur on the betting front. The square chair. Oh, that that is true. Come on, don't let that go. I'm the square. Brad Powers, college expert. Now, I'm going to purposely be tough on Brad tonight. Because I want you to see his eyes. You don't get to see when he gets mad and they start getting really small and mean. So tonight, be ready. All right. So what do we want to do? We want to start with today's games and recap what happened. Does that sound right? All right. So let's go. We'll start with Brad. Number one takeaway. And again, it's always about what we can do tomorrow with the information. Brad. Well, I think early on, I mean, the biggest takeaway was the underdogs, at least in the early session. I got off to that 6-0 and start. And the thing that was a little bit surprising to me was I, we already thought, and we talked this on today's show, that we, we already thought those underdogs were relatively historically short to begin with, the fact that they came in. Uh, to me, is we're so, so let's talk about that. Historically yeah. short, just let's rattle off some of these spreads. The idea that now I say Wolford, I know everyone else tries to say it something different, but you got a team like that favored and Marquette. Now it looks like in hindsight, Murray State should have been favored. Yeah, but boy, you just look at those numbers. Belmont, not that big of a dog. I would say this season, it was these lesser-named schools had more respect than any time I've ever seen before. No question. I mean, New Mexico State against an SEC champion, that number is only five or six. So what we saw it all along, and unfortunately, we also saw Northeastern uh, as, <laughs> as a six- or seven-point underdog to Kansas. I hate all of you. Yeah. Well, the over-under is 11.5 for Northeastern mentions, AJ. No problem. Yeah. We're we, three. We're at that. <laughs> I mean, my other big takeaway was, you know, looking at the, the overall, now that we've seen all 16 games, maybe we a little bit overreacted to that because when it was all said and done, I mean, we were just a couple buckets away from the favorites and the dogs, RJ, splitting it out 8-8. Eight, eight. Because really, a lot of those dogs that cover just cover. Absolutely. And listen, guys, we talk about this all the time, but let's put it in our pocket for next year. Bet the NCAA tournament Sunday night. If you have your handicap and those lines come, I mean, let's just run down a few of the line moves. I mean, we had games that moved four and five points. You can't, you can't bet on game day at plus four when it opened plus nine and think in the long run, you're going to do okay. 
So, Brad, we'll run through the other people, but let's talk about some of those real big line moves because that's a danger for tomorrow. Let's keep an eye on tomorrow's big line moves. Make sure we aren't playing the worst numbers. Yeah, I mean, so tomorrow you're looking at, you know, Liberty has taken some big action. So some of the early lines on that one had that closer to 10. Now it's six and a half. Again, you can't win long term taking the worst of the number there. A couple other games that took some action tomorrow. You know, Oklahoma's getting a little bit of action. Central Florida's went to favorite. Again, if you're taking the worst of the number, you're not going to get it, but I'll be honest with you, uh, RJ. A majority of the big line moves were today and not necessarily tomorrow. Duke was, and maybe Five Dimes was kind of being ballsy doing it, but Duke was minus 35 versus whoever won the 16-16 yesterday. And that number, minus 35, was up for a little. It's 27 and a half now. Massive move from 35. All right, so AJ, what's your main takeaway today? Uh, my main takeaway is that these these mid-major schools are for real. And Wolford, as you call them, I mean, that it was a great show. Can we get that catch it on, you think? I think so. <laughs> I, I mean, it sounds so much cooler to me. I don't know. Uh, but in Murray State, who I, I've, I've kind of been following all year because I, I love John Moran. I think if he, if he played it, you know, a big-time program, people would be acting like he's Russell Westbrook. He is a special player, and he was special today again. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him against Florida State. Uh, a team that Brad, I know Brad loves, but I, I think that's a guy who, when you we, we talk about this all the time, if you've got a, a a workhorse that you can basically pile everything on and say, go win us a game, you've got a good chance. And I think that he's about as good as anybody not named Zion. So here's the question, guys, and we're going to open up the mics if someone's got the answer. And by the way, we've got some pregame T-shirts, hats. So I don't know how many of you listen to the Straight Out of Vegas show we do on Fox. Thank you. Yes, more of that. Six o'clock Eastern, five days a week on Fox, and we do the podcast after and everything, is we do pick graffiti, which is you've got 11 words usually we let them have, 11 words to make a pick. So at the end of this, whatever your best bets are, if you want to share them, 11 words or less, though, on the handicap, and the uh, best picks we'll give T-shirts and hats, too, if you're interested. But let me ask you this question. Why is college basketball so much more competitive today than it was 10 years ago? Meaning a Seton Hall is not an underdog 10 years ago. What's changed? Does anyone have any great? So you're saying that's interesting. You're saying the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the Kentuckys, they're better than ever. And then if you're not in that top, top tier, everyone's almost the same. But then, I mean, why isn't – that's interesting. Is that the right answer? No. Well, oh, Steve Cofield on the floor. No, I, think, I think he had a good answer. You're not, you're not totally wrong, but – Oh, geez, this guy's the arbiter. The, the one and done has changed college basketball hoops. I mean, my – but wouldn't that benefit the Dukes of the world? But, but I, then how is... Because the top teams are turning over their roster way too often. They go into the tournament a lot of times without juniors and seniors. You see teams like so it, But hold on, Cofield. Yeah. So you're saying the one and done's a disadvantage it to, actually the, is. to the Dukes of the world. It actually is. 
Yes. This this is listen, Duke well, Duke Duke now is a in this crazy anomaly zone where they've landed they're basically out recruiting Kentucky somehow. I don't know how that's happening. But Duke is in this weird zone right now where they're able to reload. But the next level schools, like five on to twenty, they get involved with one and dones, and then they don't have experienced teams. And then you're seeing mid majors that have third and fourth year players like Wofford and Buffalo. Yes. Wofford. Uh, I mean, a team that lost today was Nevada. Nevada had five guys who were 23 years old. It didn't work out, but you can understand why they could have such a good season because they have so much experience. And I think that's the evening now of the field in the NCAA tournament. The 13s, 12s, and 11s oftentimes are the more experienced teams over the four, five, and sixes. But to me, that would make sense if we said there's Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, the Blue Bloods, then everybody else. But how's Gonzaga? You know, Brad, you've got Gonzaga right now. Some people call this the hottest take in the history of radio. Rob Parker actually said, too hot for me on Fox, honestly. Give the take first. Yeah, I mean. Don't yeah, I mean, give the take. I only have Duke about one point better than Gonzaga right now. A half point better. On On a neutral? On a neutral. Imagine if those two teams had only played on a neutral at some point and we had like a data point we could go by. <laughs> oh, shit, they did. What happened? Okay, so yeah. my point is... Gonzaga won. Where does Gonzaga fit? They don't have the one and dones. So this idea that there's the top five and everyone else, I don't get it. It's, well, it does- I, you got to ask, these head coaches in college basketball have a choice. Do you want to go for the one and done five-star kids or maybe do you want to take a lower level four-star but by the time he's you know a junior or senior is he almost a similar style player Villanova uses that route and they've won two of the three last national championships the uh, the gentleman over here had a great point he doesn't want to go on mic but I mean you're in control Steve uh, just just do your thing he made a great point he said a lot of those lower seeds the mid-majors play like teams too they're a cohesive unit that's been together for three and four years unselfish and you know, with a lot of a lot of the teams that are super young, that are good teams, guys are already thinking about the NBA. They're going in different directions. Sometimes they're fighting on the court. It's not cohesive. Okay, so I'm I'm seeing it come together. What we're saying is the schools that super recruit, they have the negative of the one and done, so they're not that far ahead. Duke being maybe the exception. Then amongst all the other schools, these are teams. Maybe a Villanova is the best of both worlds. They can recruit pretty well, and they've got guys third and fourth year. So that's interesting. Which team meets that criteria as a long shot right now? Open question that they are a school that should recruit decently like a Villanova, but they've got a ton of experience. Tennessee is one. Who? Virginia, Tennessee. Yeah, Virginia is the one that jumps out at me. Uh, an experienced team that also can recruit top-tier guys. But he's, Tennessee's that's another good one. All right, so let's take a poll on this one. Virginia yeah. lost last year. No, I don't know if you heard, the only number one seed ever to lose. <laughs> Without their best player on the floor. Whatever the stories are, okay. they lost. Does that make you want to bet Virginia because they're focused? Or does it make you say there's something wrong with this team in the tournament? So more focus. I agree because my I gave my best bet on the pod this week. It was Virginia first half 
We still at 13 and a half, Fess? Yeah, what's interesting, we're still at minus 13 and a half. There are some minus 13s out there, but what's interesting, RJ, is the spread on this game has dropped. Virginia was laying 23 and a half, and it came down to minus 21 and a half, minus 22, but the first half line has barely budged, meaning if you're going to bet Virginia, I think the first half, the better way to go. So you're, all right, so you're saying my pick is affecting the market. I think your pick is a sharp play that people are not only following, but they agree with. Yes. Now, this is a good Brad Power story. We're going to tell stories I wouldn't tell across the country. Brad, you grew up on a farm. Yep. And you came to Vegas uh, uninformed about the ways of Vegas. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. So we're doing one of our first radio shows, and (laughs) the line, it was like an NFL side or something. I mean, it wasn't some obscure bat. And the line moves from, like, one and a half to, like, three. It's like, wow, that was a big move. What caused that move? He's on live national radio, and Brad goes, well, you know, that was my three-star release to that. And I look at him, and I'm just like, is he, tra- is he being serious? And he <laughs> was. So, now, true or false? I don't know if it was NFL, RJ. <laughs> if it was college, absolutely. I, I, I'll, I used to think that. <laughs> Definitely. All the time. Fez, what's your takeaway from today? I always like to look at conferences that are underperforming or overperforming. I've got two of them, frankly. The Big East is having a terrible postseason. Uh, You look at Marquette getting punked by Murray State. St. John's, of course, got rolled by Arizona State. Seton Hall got crushed by Wolford. Even Villanova basically pushed against the number. And in the NIT, we even saw Providence and Georgetown lose the seven-point favorites there's only one Big East team left now in the tourney, Nova. I don't want to bet on them, so I'm anti-Big East, and that means Villanova. And the ACC really struggled today as now, well. Hold, hold on. Let's talk about... <laughs> it's a love-hate with Fez, let's be honest. <laughs> now that, it's probably a good time to ask this question. Thanks for letting me sit by Fez, by the way. Uh, did you have the green button with you tonight? You know, that, I actually thought of that. We should get a gigantic the, one. Why? I told you this is a beta test. We're beta testing. I came prepared. I wanted to take Brad's money, Fezzik's money. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's best there's no green yeah. button. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I don't think Nova pushed. It was minus three and a half. Well, it was minus four and a half early in the week. It did close three and a half. But four, you know, RJ and I talk about this all the time, and we don't like to really grade against the absolute closing number when 95% of the betting occurred likely when the line was four. So I'm calling it a push. You know, no, no, you didn't call it a push. You actually said, oh, this is the the Fezzik hate contingent coming out. No, no, I love Fezzik. Finally, let's call into account. I actually visited Fez and Ken at their radio show four years ago. So I don't hate that. 40 years ago? Four years ago. Oh, okay. Ago. Yes. <laughs> so, but three and a half is a big deal. Three and a half versus four <laughs> is a big deal. Well, Fez wasn't there, though. Hey, St. Mary's opened at six, by the way. There was a lot of sixes early. So, it, I mean, well, Nova was essentially a loser ATS today. It, it, here's the thing to me. The old school way to grade was what, whatever the biggest book in the world was at the time. So Stardust, let's say, back in the day. What's the Stardust close? Great against that. That was the old way. Fez, you're right, though. You'll see NFL games that are seven and a half all week 
10 minutes before kick, it goes to seven. And we're supposed to grade it at seven, even though 98% of the money was at seven and a half. So to me, with the technology we've got today, and we're moving towards this, I think it's where was the most money bet. So if you had to guess in the Villanova game, where was the most money bet at what number? What would you say? Clearly four. And the game fell? Landed four because St. Mary's couldn't foul in the final 11 seconds. Oh, Crazy so, so, end game. So you had St. Mary's? No, I had Villanova. Oh, so he you wanted had to. He wanted to foul. foul. <laughs> oh, well, St. Oh, Mary's. I wanted St. Mary's to foul oh, okay. because I wanted Nova You can extent. always tell who Fez has, so... All right, let, let's get to this right now. Can I, can I break in with one thing on Fez's Well, take? Steve, you do what you want on, on, on the Big East. Does anyone else hate his take on the Big East because it didn't do well today? The whole co- really? It didn't do well today. It's the whole conference, Steve. But it's one game. You Not guys one are, game, you guys like are five Did you see St. John's? Did you, you guys see Marquette? No, no, no. no. I mean, I'm saying it's one game with each team. You guys are analytics guys. One game matters? That that, that it, describes the whole season? It doesn't. The Big East got three teams into the tournament. That's that's a low number for that comp. This was a down year for the Big East. The, the best seeded, the highest seeded team out of the Big East was a five. All right, the so Big a East wasn't a strong, a strong league this year. One is, I think the margins in the games matter. Right. Right? If you have three teams that lost by a bucket, ATS, what does it mean? Not much. If a team's getting dominated, multiple teams, it means a lot. But here's the key question to this, because I agree. I disagree with Steve. I agree with the experts up here. (laughs) Is, Brad, what percentage of games that matter, competitive games for tournament teams, are played in conference before the tournament begins? So let's say North Carolina. If you just look at all of their competitive games, how many were in conference, how many were out? Oh, 75-80%. So we agree with that. In general, 75-80% of the games that matter for good teams are in conference. If that whole conference, like if the only people we knew in the world was up on stage, we'd think Fezzik was in great shape. (laughs) But if you walk outside, you're like, wait a minute, this is a different universe of people here. (laughs) Okay. Give him the mic, Steve. I want to hear this. That's a lot of conference games. That's my point. Conference games. What I'm saying is, if here's a story I told once, I'll tell it one time. It's kind of bragging, but I enjoy doing that occasionally. Is I used to play Nintendo all the time, right? In the in the early '90s, and Tecmo Baseball was my game. You guys did not want to play me in Tecmo Baseball. So there was this guy that lived up on the hill, right? So he didn't come down too much. He was beating his buddies playing Tecmo baseball. He decided to play me a money game. And you've heard of the mercy rule, right? Well, mercy rule. He, he goes, let's try one more. Mercy rule. He drops the controller and says, I've got to get off the hill more. <laughs> he was playing a certain universe of people. If the Big East is playing each other 80% of the time, the games that matter, and they're all three points worse than we think, that affects the whole conference every game they play. Does anyone, does anyone disagree with that? No, does, not that, at all.
They beat Villanova by 27, too. I mean, it, by the way, we're paying this guy as a paid heckler, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we gave him the drinks. No, we didn't really pay him. All right, Steve. Should we be worried about the ACC, too? Because I heard you mention them. All right, so let's say, other than Big East, which is the conference we're worried about? Yeah, this is more a question to the audience because we have a small sample here. ACC, we had three teams. They went 0-3 against the spread. Louisville lost as a favorite against Minnesota, and frankly, they lost. It wasn't even a close game at the end, and Syracuse got rolled at the end against Baylor, going down again as a favorite. Florida State doesn't cover against Vermont. Only a three-game sample. How concerned are we about the ACC being overvalued based on those three games? I'm not. I can tell you that. I'm not because, quite frankly, Florida State probably should cover. Syracuse was playing without their point guard who got suspended last night, so they were already in a bad spot. I'm not downgrading the ACC like uh, the Big East. Yeah, I'm not either. And, and I mean, four of the five best teams in the ACC play tomorrow, uh, so – I'm not going to overreact to, I mean, Louisville and Syracuse were, they're probably the two last teams in from the ACC. And Syracuse had injury today, right? Well, they had suspension. Uh, but yeah, either way, I, I, I think we saw the weak ACC teams fall. Florida State, I mean, they, they, they were within a point of the number they could have easily covered. Yeah, you would have heard one of uh, Fez's sad story had Florida State decided to dunk that basketball exactly. on that fast break at the very end. Right, Speak, Fez? Speaking of dunking basketballs, Fez, stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Fez dunks volleyball. Listen, one of the, yeah, exactly. Now, take off your jacket. Leave your mic. I'll talk for you. Just relax. Now, if I, now take off your shirt. <laughs> hey, Steve, go get a sound drop. Let's have her say that. We'll, we'll have a sound drop. Say, Fez, take it off slowly. Well, well hold on. Get on the mic. Fez, take it off slowly. <laughs> <laughs> that made the whole night worth it right there. Now, if I said, can he bench 200 pounds, what would you guys have bet? Yes. Well, I guess we know because it's hot. I mean, I'm just trying to defend you, Brad. Mm. 500 bucks out the window. <laughs> Minus 300, no. <laughs> I mean, that, that was my thinking. But remember, guys, here's a rule. If someone walks up to you and says, see that sign? It says 20 miles to Vegas. I'll bet you it's 15 miles. Don't bet. Whenever someone is suggesting the bet and it seems crazy, it means they're going to win the bet. They pick that sign up and move to five miles. That's a true story. They used to do that all the time. So, Fez, I stayed away. Now, but the basketball, how, how, I mean, I know the whole Fletch thing with the hair. You're like six foot versus six three with the hair. But, I mean, at what stage could you slam a basketball? Age 23. Age 23. So, you were graduated from Northwestern. And we haven't gotten into that academic scandal part with that with him, but <laughs> had a friend at Northwestern, powerlifter, big time. I thought you saying you had a friend was the lead lead of the yeah. story. So he got me into it, and he had me benching and squatting. And now was this you? Because like, were people picking on you? Like, 
Like you were walking with your book bag, like the. Like no, I was just happy to have my friend. So if he went to the gym with me, he's just like, "You want to come? I'll come along." Sure. Oh my! So if he would have been like into like stand up comedy, you'd be like a failed stand up comic, right? Yeah, now. they'd be throwing tomatoes at me. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of bet would we have to make? Could you, if we gave you six months? How much would me and Brad have to bet you you can't slam a volleyball today? Yeah, you, I mean, you couldn't train, get I, off 20. I, I blew out my ACL, so. <laughs> Excuses. What was that scenario? I was playing basketball and football. <laughs> one, one for touch football and one in basketball. Uh, Brad, I got to tell you, I feel bad for you on that. You, <laughs> I, I got more enough back from Fez throughout the football <laughs> season. <laughs> so do you guys love the green button? So that's interesting to me because it kind of evolved throughout the season. Steve, maybe see who's got a big opinion, but like, what do you like about it? And is there a way to improve it? Because we're betting amount. I mean, let's be honest. And, and I mean, this is true. Fez has a mansion. He doesn't work a straight job. He is one of the best guys in the world at what he does. Betting $500 doesn't change his life. But it's still real money, right? So it feels like we have an amount that it's not like making it contentious where someone gets really mad if they lose. But the pride part, like to me, it's a good amount of money. Do you guys think that's like the, the $300 bets matter? Or do you think, oh, Fest shouldn't even care? Like 320 tips. You like it? Yeah, I, I, I think we should start having double, like, anytime there's a... Oh, Ken Thompson in the house. That guy can bench 200 pounds. He can bench Fezzik. You know, that's what I was thinking. I think he was in hair and makeup this whole time. Why is he wearing a jacket? <laughs> Show off the pipes. Let's go. So, Ken, we're going to start... Is that mic on for you? You want to check it? Test, test. There yeah, it good. is. Good to go. What, what was your number one takeaway from day one? Thank God Florida won. That's uh, that, for me. I mean, it, I'll tell you what. Here's the thing. The game has changed so much that if you don't have three three-point shooters on your squad that space out and that can knock down shots consistently, I don't care who you are. I don't care how athletic you are. The game has changed. And the college game is copying Golden State's blueprint at the pro level. And with that three-point shot being what it is, and you saw it today in Baylor and Syracuse. If you don't cover these guys like Makai Mason, 25 feet and out, they're laughing because they shoot that crap all day in practice. They make 10, 12, 15 in a row, and I've seen it. I've been part of teams. I know I can shoot from there, and I can make 10 out of 12. So if you don't come out and you're not within arms, <coughs> right? Where's the green button? <laughs> bring the green button on. Yeah. Bring, the, bring the green button. Look, RJ challenged me to a basketball shooting contest for 1000 bucks. He's never shown up. That's all I could tell you. Hey, sound guy, when I go like this, his mic is with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait, wait, you could do that. I still play. We 50, actually, we actually got a basketball. Old, still knock him down, no problem. We actually problem. got a ball for our contest. Yeah, there you go, there you go. I would, I, I would take Ken in that shooting contest, head-to-head. I played with him. There you go. These guys, he can no, shoot no, it. No, but, but remember, RJ, RJ, remember the, the game has changed a lot, man, yeah. over the last couple remember years. Remember in the movie The Devil's Advocate, <laughs> when he looks at Canoe Reeves and he goes, only thing is, he goes, they won't underestimate you? Think about it, Steve. <laughs> Does that mean you don't like Duke? 
No, it doesn't mean I don't like Duke. Because you say you've got to have three three guys who can shoot threes. Duke has maybe one. And, and on by the way, day. real really? quick, Barrett Reddish can't, can't shoot. By the way, not really. Really? By the way, <laughs> I hey, like to see hey, play. The, uh, the owner's talking. The owner's talking. <laughs> you haven't met AJ. Oh, hey, I haven't, I haven't met AJ. him, man. But he's yeah. told me Duke doesn't some... have three three. I just want you to know, former MMA fighter. Truthfully, so yeah, that's continue. Because <laughs> Ken can get worked up. That's okay. He just did. He just did. I'm good. So he, that's the question. How much we know the threes have mattered more as each year passes. Has there been some quantum leap this year that how good you are at threes is so much more important than it was even last year? Or is this just every year it gets more important? I think every, it's gradual. Every year it gets more important. This year, 39% of all shot attempts are three. That's a record in the history of the NCAA. And the thing is, RJ, you have that Duke team. No team has even made the final four as a team shooting what Duke is from outside the arc right now. Duke is only hitting so, so you 30% mean on, on the season. On the season, Duke's hitting 30% from three-point range. No team with that percentage worst has ever team, made the final four. Worst team in the field from three. Yeah, but there's the Zion factor, and that's a freak, man. That happens once every 20 years you see a Zion Williamson. So that equalizes everything. And maybe, uh, but, you know, I mean, again, and you also have one of the best perimeter defenders in Trey Jones. Are you kidding me? So your best three-point shooter, like if Makai Mason's there, or if Windler, or one of these other guys, uh, McGee for Wofford, they're not getting wide open threes because Trey Jones is on their ass everywhere they go. So Ken, by the way, has a local Vegas show two hours a night. He hosts it solo. And sometimes he doesn't have any guests. He'll just talk for two hours straight. And even, even if he the- has guests, he'll talk for two hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> and even during the commercials, he'll pull someone over and start talking. So we're going to have to keep a, a, a caller on Ken here. But his depth of knowledge, really, if you like that, I call it a rundown show. Like next up, Townsend State. You know, I'm not into those kind of shows. If you like them, Ken has the best there is. Like each game, each game, each game. All right, Steve, let's get a let's just pick a new yeah. topic. Find someone interesting. Well, I think Brandon wanted to follow up on oh. something you guys just covered. Yes. I, I'm trying to tie in everything uh, from the beginning of the show where we talked about kind of the middle class of the NCAA just being better off. And then you were talking about the Big East kind of, you know, having a rough year. I, I kind of feel like that's a lot of conferences. I mean, the ACC kind of cannibalizes each other. Uh, with, you know, Duke and UNC and Virginia, and the Big Ten cannibalize each other with Michigan and Michigan State, Purdue. The SEC went through the same thing in the tournament, and Auburn was good, and, you know, uh, what is it, the, uh, the SEC, yeah, and Kentucky and Tennessee. I, I, we've seen all those teams lose recently, so I, it's, it's kind but, of but tough to... But the, the, the entire top four seeds are made up of teams from the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten. There's not one top four seed from the Big East. I, I mean, I think... Well, but I think in a way what he's saying is the opposite of what we're saying, meaning if you're cannibalizing each other, it means you're playing at a high level and you're losing to good teams. Duke's beating North Carolina, North Carolina's beating Duke. Those are the teams I want to play on because their record doesn't look great, but they're better than their record. In the Big East, it feels like the opposite. They've played competition that isn't as good as we thought, and the records were inflated. And we've seen it now. Is, is that fair to say, Brad? You think? Absolutely. Florida be your team. Not a gaudy record, but a very good team. Top 25 caliber. 
I'm so happy we have that Fez take it off slow. I mean, that, I, that, is that going to be a drop? New oh, drop? is that going to be a drop? That was the point be. of the whole night. <laughs> right behind you. Yeah. So uh, were there a couple games you guys didn't break down on the podcast because we didn't know the matchups yet? Like Buffalo? That's a good question. So what were the playing games, Brad, that uh, go tomorrow? Uh, yeah, Duke would be one of them against North Dakota State. Duke a 27-point favorite. So let's talk about that. A.J. made a good point on the line move, right? Five dimes had a projected line at 35. Five, 35, whoever the opponent was. Yeah, but, I mean, the two teams they were playing were pretty comparable, right? Both bad. Yeah, exactly. So is 27 the market? Now, meaning, now, did it open like at 30 somewhere and it, it got bet down or did it just get to 27 almost immediately? 27 almost immediately. We haven't seen too much. Within before. hours. So, guys, am I thinking, because, again, unfortunately, I grew up in the 80s, so I remember the 80s. And unfortunately, as in I wish I you know, were younger. But back in the day, Syracuse, you know, the Georgetowns, they were 33, I remember, Ken. I mean, you certainly remember, 35 in the first rounds. Then for a long time, we had teams 22, 23, 20. Is it me or there's bigger first-round lines this year? Even 27, 28, we haven't seen as much in recent years. No, when, we, when we've when seen them, they've been bet down. I mean, even people bet down Kentucky at 22 and a half down to 20. And Kentucky- Now, how much of that is the player injury? Yeah, I think almost all of it. P.J. Washington, their best player. But, no, I, I think, you know, this year specifically, R.J., we've seen – at least six or seven, maybe even eight seeds, the top two seeds pretty much separate themselves from the rest of college basketball. Those were clearly the top eight teams from a futures aspect for the last month of the season. Now, this will be a good vote. So Brad and I have a bat. I think I got the best of it. Brad, lay out the bat for everyone. So I I took four teams, uh, and there are three number ones in Kentucky. Uh, listen, listen, no editorializing about number ones. Right. Just name the teams. All right, I have Duke. I mean, I imagine have... if he had the aggregate record in his head. These teams collectively are 128 and 7. Yep. Just give the teams. Duke, Virginia, Gonzaga, and Kentucky. All right, so you got those four. Yep. I've got everybody else. Yep, and, and four to one. And you're giving me plus 400. Yep. So t- 251 is 1,000. Yep. So let's do a yay or, or we'll say if you want to be with Brad, cheer. If you want to be with me, cheer. So who likes Brad's side? Woo! Hey, Cofield, make sure you point the square tables out real quick, okay? Who likes RJ's side? That's pretty Whoa, quiet. I don't know. Pretty close. That was quiet. AJ, more, more, pe- think- more people from Ohio State. <laughs> I don't think you knew about that bet. Who do you like in that one? You, you have Duke. Gonzaga, Virginia, Virginia, Kentucky. And I'm getting plus 400. Oh, the plus 400 makes it tough to pass on. That's the way I... But who's, I mean, who's your, who's your favorite? I don't care. North, I guess North Carolina. <laughs> I'm totally but, indifferent. I, I mean, I, I think... It, it, Anyone but. Brad's got four of the top five choices. So let's double back to Duke to put a bow on Duke. This stat about the three-point shooting, how far back does that go? In history? Yeah, in history. So you're saying three-point shooting is more important now than it's ever been. We all agree with that. And you're saying Duke is such a bad three-point shooting team, they would make history if they won the title. No, just making the final four, they would make history. No team's made the final four shooting this bad. 
And that Duke's one of your four teams, by the way. Yeah. What? 338th in the country in three-point percentage, Duke. 338. Let me ask this. If the NBA redrafted, imagine back in the day, Fez, you remember this, I'm sure, because you were looking through the chain link fence, you know, hoping they would pick you. Like, oh, we only got nine. Do we have to have Fez? Almost like white men can't jump, remember? Like you'd come in with the socks. and. <laughs> but if everyone in the NBA were in the center of the court and they started redrafting, literally like, okay, I'll take LeBron. I'll take Steph Curry. If Zion were in that group, where does he go? Mm. Is, does Zion go sixth, seventh? Right now you're stack ranking NBA players? Yes. I don't I, think he's in the no, top no, ten. No, let's say it's, a GM, it's redrafting the league. So you, you make a great point. Youth is an issue. No. Well, no, it's like from here on, this is our new – it's like a keeper league, let's say. Right? This is our new team after today, top ten. Does anyone disagree with that? Mm. Cofield, get to the disagree guy. I think he's trying to get a date. No, Mark over here had a question. <laughs> I mean, I do think if you're talking about going forward, how many more years of prime LeBron do you well, have? Well, no, that's the debate. Oh, versus uh, but, but, a but full the, career But the of idea Zion. that a guy is potentially top 10 that hasn't played an NBA game yet Right. It's a hell of a thing. Yeah, I think you're making a great point, RJ, because we could have certainly have a conversation his first year in the league. What, what do we think Zion's going to be? Do we not think he's going to be a top 20? Is he going to be better than Ben Simmons, who's my, like my number 20 NBA guy? Or Van Vliet? Well, can we also <laughs> I mean, agree that a few years ago people talked about Andrew Wiggins almost mm-hmm. the same way they're talking about Zion Williamson? Yeah. It doesn't always translate. I wouldn't take him top 25. I, I, I think... When you talk about going forward, you kind of have a window, and I think a five- to seven-year window of players in the NBA right now that are going to have their prime for another five to seven years, I would take that over a young Zion. Like, of course, I would take Steph has, you know, at least five years left. Kevin Durant has five years left. Maybe Kawhi is a two-way player. So where's Zion go for you? 15-ish, 15 to 20. So 12 to 17, I would say. So if the skeptic is saying 12, I mean – that it's so fascinating to say Duke is historically bad at threes and they have a historically good player. I mean, could we make the case that Zion's the best new NBA player since LeBron? At least yeah. projected. RJ, here's the thing. When Michael Jordan came into the NBA, he wasn't a great three-point shooter. Wasn't even yeah, a but great... three-point three shooting no, but, was so but, but less hold on, important let me back then. Let me finish. He wasn't a great defensive player, but what does he do in the offseason? You think the guy's not going to work to improve where he's deficient? You don't think an NBA coach that's going to die to get Zion Williamson is going to improve his outside shooting, improve some other things? Zion Williamson is a beast physically. That's why he dominates at the level he's at. In three, five years in the NBA, he will be in the top three. I'll be honest. I, I'm... I'm kind of, I don't even think Zion Williamson five years from now will be the best guy in this draft class. I agree. I I think, uh, I mean, to me, Zion Williamson reminds me a lot of Blake Griffin. Like when the hype that was around Blake Griffin when he came out of college and he was the number one pick and it was almost, it was like pressure to take Blake Griffin as the number one pick. Guys that went after Blake Griffin in that draft, James Harden, Steph Curry, DeMar DeRozan. I'd probably rather have any of those guys than Blake Griffin but because Blake Griffin was so dominant in college as a as a, a four in that in that position that's less important in the NBA, 
there was pressure to take him. And, and the, these guards, these are the guys who are important in the NBA today. So but, but, I, I, don't, I would fade Zion as the best player. But isn't Zion – and again, I'm not an X's and O's guys, but isn't Zion like the next Greek freak, the guy that has the size but can play in and out? Even he can't play. He can't play out yet, RJ. That's the I, problem. He's but not, I'm not talking about taking three pointers. I'm saying. But he ma- he makes a team better because if you you could have Steph Curry, you could have Clay Thompson, and that's all well and good if they're knocking down their threes. But if they're missing and you don't have a guy like Zion cleaning it up, giving them other opportunities, uh, and this guy's going to be able to do everything when it's all said and done. Okay, now let's give Brad Power some credit. He was on straight out of Vegas, and he had. Brad is rock solid. Like his highs are, he has his highs, but he very rarely has a bad segment. Like where I'm like, oh, cringing. Faz is like Bob Dylan. He, it might be as high as you can get or like, Faz, it's time to go home early. Your, your, your wife's calling, you know, like it's th- th- that bad. Now, are you okay? Is that, have you taxed her since things I, have started? I was so much older then. I'm younger than oh, that now. Oh, well, Dylan. All right. So here's the thing. Brad had a bad segment on SOV about Duke. So we told him it's time to redeem yourself because your take was, again, Duke isn't as good as people think. And you stepped up the next day. This is on his Twitter and made what bet? I bet no on Duke to win the title. Five uh, fifty two hundred dollars Fifty two hundred. Yeah. All right. So it was minus two sixty. What's that? Minus two sixty. Yeah, minus two sixty. Okay. So let's do the cheer again. Would you rather lay minus two sixty? No on Duke. Yes or no? Let's say cheer for that. <laughs> I mean, Brad doesn't own that bad. I mean, he made it. And then who would like Duke plus what? Two forty. Yeah, two twenty-five, two thirty right now. Who would rather that? Oh, so not a lot of dudes. The drunk guy. The the ringer. All right, Cofield, let's change. We've talked a lot of X's and O's. Let's go behind the scenes. So any – listen, someone can say I'm not going to answer, right? That's their choice. But any questions you want to ask anybody up here, let's just open it up. So so Mark over here wanted to ask a question. He's been waiting a while. We've got guys in the corner. Mark first, then Matt. You guys were talking earlier about bad conferences in the Big East, right? Yes. Who would you say is the worst conference of the power conferences? Without question, probably the Pac-12. Yeah. So my question is, why is Oregon one of your best bets tomorrow if you're so low on that the same way you were low on the Big East? That's a great question. I just think, you know, you got to look at the entire perspective. The the thought process of Oregon coming in the season was that this is a borderline top 10 team. So what happens to Oregon, you know, 10 games in the season? Oregon loses a really good player, Bull Bull, Manute Bull's son, He's like a 20 points per game, 10 rebounds per game kind of guy. So Oregon struggles in that weak conference, the Pac-12. What happens is Oregon's tweaking their lineup. They finally find the right lineup. And since then, yes, they're playing in, in uh, you know, a weak conference, but you, you got to consider a margin of victory that they are taking care of business by pummeling those teams by 15, 20 points per game. And because there was a fundamental change in the lineup, I'm buying Oregon tomorrow. So, so let's elaborate on, the, on this concept. It's really strong. 
the math analytic guys are going to evaluate Wisconsin on their body of work for the year and Oregon, and they're going to conclude Wisconsin's way better than Oregon. I love Wisconsin minus one and a half. But the guys who are really digging into deeper says the first half of the year with Oregon does not matter nearly as much as the second half because they had a fundamental change in the team. Right, Brad? Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, that's something if you're following along with the Ken Palms or the Jeff Sagarins, those are full-season power ratings. They don't always account for a fundamental change or an injury to a key player. And I think that's how you can exploit, exploit those types of power ratings. And, listen, computers, I don't know if you've heard about this, computers are going to, they're here to stay. <laughs> and, I mean, these algorithms, I, this is sincere, honest to God, I get approached once a month by some computer scientist that's trying to build an AI model to be usually NFL side, right? Because you can get, get the most money down. And, you know, will you contribute? We'll pay whatever, whatever. I usually don't do it just because I don't have the time. But, Fez, a guy like this that knows the NFL as a human being as well as anybody. <laughs> Okay, maybe it's me, but then Fez is second. But I don't think anybody – say it again. You know, why don't we do this, Cofield? It is get his question first, not right now. See if it's worthy of being discussed, and then we'll decide. So get it first. So the point I was making is how do we fight AI? Because that's what AI – is the real competition and things like algorithms have trouble saying, well, this team was different these six games than the next six or the next 16. So whenever a team changes fundamentally and the algorithms or the, in this case, Kempom, which is a type of algorithm, right? It's considering many factors and giving you a rating. Those are the things where I think humans have an advantage. Absolutely. Yeah, so look at the Lakers, for instance. If you just did a power rating on the Lakers, there were ridiculous numbers that were getting spat out. I remember the Lakers were home against Denver, and Denver was laying five and a half. How could this be? Well, it's because the Lakers' algorithm number is totally different versus but what the Lakers have had like three seasons. It was pre-LeBron's injury, exactly. LeBron's injury, then post-Anthony Davis rumors. Those teams, to, to try to blend those... You just can't do it. Exactly. So, Fez, you're, you're still going to be viable for a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so the, the, the gentleman hear- over, the guy over here wanted to ask, he just wants a pick on Oregon, Wisconsin. What's the consensus on that game? All right. So, you like Oregon. Yeah, I like Oregon. Plus Does two. anyone like Wisconsin? Okay. Uh-oh. Simple. Yeah, the, the reason that I think Wisconsin's a difficult matchup for Oregon is just Ethan Happ. Ethan Happ's the real deal. Now, the problem with Ethan Happ is he can't th- shoot free throws. If he shoots 70% from the line, Wisconsin's definitely capable of winning that game by double digits because they're going to be the best defensive team that Oregon's faced, and they have guys that are maybe guys that score seven, eight points a game, but that's the Wisconsin way. They get guys that step up different guys every game. Hap's consistent, but Davison is solid. Trice is good. You've got a Iverson. A bunch of these guys can step up, and they play good, solid defense. Who has Oregon played that really plays good, solid defense? We know Hopkins and Washington go into the zone. It's a two-point game at halftime in the Pac-12 final. 
the end of the day, they go on a 12 nothing run to start the second half. Game over. Washington knows in the back of their mind they don't need the game. Oregon has to win the game in order to make the big dance. I think that game in San Jose gives Oregon a geographical advantage, but Wisconsin travels well, and we'll see. But I think that game's going to be in the 50s, and if it is, Wisconsin will have a good chance to win. Okay, so one of our very avid listeners said we missed the Buffalo. I don't know, was Buffalo? Yeah, Buffalo, Arizona State. So was that a playing game? Yeah, Arizona, Arizona State, State just State okay. game against So let's, let's start with you, AJ. Let's do a handicap on that one because we didn't do it on the pod. Uh, I, I like Buffalo. I think it's minus four and a half right now. Uh, Arizona State's a team that they want to out-athlete you, and against most mid-majors, they'd be able to out-athlete you, but B- Buffalo's a different breed, and they, they've got some legitimate scores. They're, they're one of the most elite offenses in the country, uh, and I know that you'll laugh at them like you did at Wofford, and they shouldn't be favored. Well, I was really laughing at Northeastern. Against teams, like, <laughs> uh, against teams like Arizona State from the, the vaunted Pac-12, but uh, this Buffalo team is really well coached by Nate Oates, and I, I, I think Buffalo's... Uh, I, I was hoping they'd actually play St. John's because Buffalo would beat St. John's by 20. But I, I still think they, they handle Arizona State. So enough nice. to lay 110. You like it? Yeah. RJ, from the square chair? Yes. You know the coaching matchup here, right? This is San Martino Zabisco. <laughs> Do you remember that <laughs> the, feud? The, the new living legend, exactly. Bobby Hurley taught Nate Oates. Nate Oates wants to get back at him. You know, I want to go watch the Zabisco San Martino right you now. You got to watch it. <laughs> Violent <laughs> attack with the chair. Why right, would he want to get? The... Why would he want to get back of him? He gave him his opportunity, and he also <laughs> left him a cupboard that was totally full with great players. So Hurley helped recruit half those guys at Oates is coaching, and he just got a nice fat five year extension. So with that logic, do you think seriously in games like this where you've got coach and then pupil, do you think the pupil actually goes in with the attitude like I'm really grateful? I don't know if I want to win this game. No, he goes in with a senior-laden team that's about eight deep, that's quality, that's good enough to blow out West Virginia early before we knew West Virginia was fraudulent, and then Kanate goes down, so they struggled. We also know that Buffalo squandered a big lead against Bowling Green, nearly lost in the MAC final. We also saw them struggle in some other games against lesser teams in the Mid-American. So while the Pac-12 may be down, Arizona State has a game under their belt. Yes, only a day-and-a-half turnaround, but Belmont only had a day-and-a-half turnaround. Now, that's an interesting question. Is it an advantage for the play-in teams that they are fresh, or not fresh, but not rusty, I guess is the way to say, or is there a fatigue disadvantage in I, general, which is in, the bigger fact? History, history is going to say that at least one of these play-in teams, the 11 seed, not obviously not the, the 16, but at least one of these teams every single year, RJ, at least goes to the round of 32. So Now, how much of that is they get the extra game, and how much of that is they've been hearing they shouldn't have made the tour? It's that, mm, that kind of no bit one of believes in this. A little bit of both. So who do you like in this Buffalo? I like Arizona State. I'm going to buy it up to five from four and a half. Lean for me on Buffalo. Uh, the money has come in on Arizona State early. This line opened six. It's down to four and a half. Uh, I, I just think Buffalo... Believe it or not, even though you got an Arizona State team that's in that Power Five conference and a Buffalo team in a mat, in the Mid American Conference, Buffalo's got the superior players in this one. I lean Buffalo. So why not? I mean, if they have the superior players, and what's the line? Four and a half. Four and a half. Just the lean. Just the lean. You, you've if you want more, likes, you've best gotten more, and more got conservative. Em. No, I got, I got them. I'm conservative. 
We want a like, <laughs> not Steph a lead. Like Oregon, Oregon plus two. There's a like. <laughs> hey, RJ. Right, so Matt. let's do a vote. Yeah. Do we want to keep talking X's and O's and hardcore basketball? Or do we want to do like soap opera type, you know, Fezzik's wife and that kind of thing? So, Picks. Now, and again, I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying it has Picks. to be that. Picks. Picks. All right. So well, Matt, we got some fans here. I love it. Matt's got a question over here. He's been waiting a while. Let's do it. Uh, this is for Brad Powers. I think he's been hiding something. I'm not saying it's, you know, necessarily highly illegal, but I'm just, I just want to get to the bottom of it right now. No BS, no hiding, no liens. What the hell does the seven mean in Brad Power seven? Oh, wow. <laughs> now that, yeah. That's the question of the night. <laughs> that's a good yeah. one. Uh, oh, no. Ill- illegitimate children. <laughs> wow. No. no. No one's. Listen, we got video here. No one's yeah. believing that. No, uh, just it's my lucky number seven. And when I signed up on Twitter, I, don't think I was late. Right. No, I don't no, think it's, it, it's true. When I signed up on Twitter, I was a little late, and there was already several Brad Powers already on Twitter. Now, this is a good question. So, hardcore fans here, and listen, this means a lot to us. We've never done this. Podcast One wanted us to do it. Hard Rock supported it. And to me, it means a lot. I mean, honestly, we work hard and... Obviously, we look at the numbers and it says 400,000 people listened. And that means a lot, but it's a number, right? It's an abstraction to see you guys really give a, give a shit. Hey, let's give a, that we give a care. It does really mean a lot to us. So, I mean, guys, I agree. Thank you guys. All right. So. (laughs) RJ, I've got another question over here. Let me ask this one, though. Yep, yep. If if it's okay, Mr. Kofi. Of course. (laughs) And this guy, he's been the biggest radio guy in town for so long. You know how, like, the prettiest girl in school, when she always gets her way? That's Cofield's situation. It's out of control. It's it's a little frustrating sometimes. I know, right? Now, when we're in the middle of hardcore handicapping, and I tell, like, a 14-minute story about a strip club, let's say, (laughs) like we did recently, is that I know there's the haters of that. And I know there's the lovers of that, but amongst the hardcore fans, who enjoys the digressions? Let's have the cheers for that now. Yeah. Oh, I like this. <laughs> and and who's the goofy people that don't like it? Oh, all right, wait. Ooh, I hate it. Hey, here's the deal. So I don't mind the story, but well, it, but it cannot affect the amount of time of the podcast. So as long as you tell the story, but we get the same analysis, I'm fine with that, RJ. Now, listen, of all the things you can say, we never make the podcast too short. That's never the problem. (laughs) I mean, it's a sign if you're a real fan. We usually put the best stuff at the end saying, if you're still with us, you're a real fan. We've got more feedback over here on the, the side stories, oh, non-gambling I, stuff. Steve, I know we can't go 30 seconds without you, so go ahead. First of all, aside this, the, I love the side stories, RJ. It keeps me listening every week. I want to ask you about uh, the possible second-round matchup, Texas Tech versus Buffalo, and what everyone thinks about that, because I'm super excited. This is a great segue, so... What did we just preach? Put it in your pocket for next year. Bet Sunday for the Thursday, Friday games. Well, what's the analog? Bet tonight, bet tomorrow morning for Saturday's games. So let's just do a rundown. 
And guys, if you don't have if you don't have anything super strong, make it quick. Brad, I'll let you lead the way. Let's just go down Saturday's matchups. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the question Buffalo that Tech he was would just be asked, Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, what is it now? Buffalo and Texas Tech would be Sunday. They they haven't even played their first games yet. We're just, I mean, okay, so. but then, but I'm interested in the games that are set, right? So obviously, all the Thursday games are done. Yeah, Murray State, Florida State's the first match of Florida State five and a half. All right, so let's start there. You know, I'm lean. Everyone's going to be on the. Oh, job. I, I, you're leaning. I'm liking Florida State. So everyone's going to fall in love with John Morant over the last 24 hours. I think this game sets up well for Florida State. Florida State's built in the second of the two games on a weekend. Why? The Seminoles are one of the deepest teams in the country. They're going to throw waves of lengthy players at you. And Florida State, quite honestly, I'm sorry, Fez, but Vermont hit 16 three-pointers today, and Florida State still should have covered that game. I think Florida State's being undervalued. I think the Knolls roll over Murray State like that. That sounded like Haystack was coming out a little bit right there. Hey, now. <laughs> now, basic premise. Does depth of rotation matter more in game two of the week? The theory is you got four or five days. You play a game. Now it's a 48-hour turnaround. What we know from the Bobby Knight days is coaching matters less in the second game of a weekend. There's just not enough time to prepare. So first, do we agree with that? Coaching advantage matters less second games of the week. Does anyone disagree? Nope. All right. Depth matters more second game of the weekend. Does anyone disagree? No. So those are basic concepts to think about. And lastly, is are you more inclined to lay the lumber, let's say 10 or more, on the second game because there's so much rest after, and thus they might want to stretch their legs, the good teams that are up 12, 15 late. Mm, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I am more likely uh, in the second game to lay it because they know they're getting that. They're going to have the next four or five days off. All right. So let's finish with the first game and, and finish the handicap there. So, Brad, you like it? Florida State. I like Florida State, too. One thing about Leonard Hamilton's teams over the years they're pathetic shooting the free throws. This year, dynamite. Second half tonight, 23 of 27, whatever they were. 24 that, out of 28. Whatever it was. And they put the game away from the charity stripe. Normally, you won't have that. Guys like Mann couldn't step up and hit those shots. They hit him today, and they just broke the spirit. And uh, as good as John Moran is, he better have his A game, and he better get a lot of help because Florida State is long, and they are going to give you one and done. They are, they're going to out-athlete you, and they are 9-10 deep. I think Florida State's going to roll. AJ. Yeah, I, I lean Florida State. I don't like Florida State just because I'm, I'm scared that John Moran is a special tournament player. But the teams that that Murray struggled with this year, like Jacksonville State, teams that are more physical than them, and Florida State absolutely falls into that category of a more physical team, uh, I, I, I'll lean with, with the Knowles. So, guys, one of the things I preach the most is the line has to be wrong in order for you to win long term. I'm sure you've all heard that. 50 times. Do you feel like you live it? Like what person, uh, let's do another vote. Are you betting for fun saying, Hey, I know I'm not supposed to play 13 games today, but I'm betting pizza money. <laughs> We're getting someone pointed out here. So what, what percentage cheer play it that way? Be, listen, we're not, Hey, there'll be no shaming. There'll be no like negativity. Let's be honest. 
You're in that group, it sounds like. All right, so let's hear it. Who does it that way? I do. I do. I do. Absolutely. And every everyone else is like, I want the line to be wrong. I want value. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's usually the opposite, right? Is you play less games if you're being conservative. All right. So when these guys only have leans, you know, let's be candid. The shows that are like, they like every game. It's like, they're not betting those games. You can be pretty sure. All right, next game, Brad. Uh, then we have a line on us, Maryland, LSU. LSU, a two-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Now, you've been down on LSU. AJ, you've been a lot less down on LSU. So why don't you let's, – let's let AJ start this one. I like LSU, but it's, it's probably more of a, a fade on Maryland. I didn't like Maryland today. Uh, I, I, would have, I, I wouldn't have liked Maryland against Temple, to be honest. And uh, I actually thought Maryland was going to lose outright today. That's just, to me, it's a, it's a team, sort of a, a dead man walking type team. And LSU, I, I, I've been saying the talent's still there. None of those players are suspended. The guys that got them to that record are now, still there. Do, do, do we feel like the first win, it's almost like, you know, I'm a big NYPD Blue fan, by the way. I don't know if anyone else is. And Sipowitz had his first partner, and then Bobby Simone shows up. In the first week or two, it's like, I don't really know about this Bobby Simone. And then all of a sudden, Bobby is fine. And then Ricky Schroeder. Do we think maybe after getting a win under their belt that the absence of the coach means less? Because it's like, hey, we, we've won a tournament game without him. We don't need him. I think there's a little bit of that. But to be perfectly frank, I mean, Yale today, which was LSU's opponent, Yale did not play a good game, and Yale still brought home the money for anyone backing them. I mean, so, if, so what's defined as not played a good game? Well, I mean, until the final minute, Yale was four out of thirty from three point range. All right, uh, so imagine that a team is four out of thirty. Yep, and, and they they're still a good, they're a good three and point they still cover. team, and they still cover. And Yale has one really good player, an NBA prospect, and he shoots two out of sixteen. From the field and has five points. If you'd have gave me that before the game, I'd have said the odds of Yale covering RJ less than ten percent. And Yale had a stretch where I think they went one for twenty-one from threes, so it made it easy for LSU to take command of the game. But if it's a if it's a psychological um, threshold to get through, maybe they got lucky, but they were in that second round. Maybe they don't think in their minds we don't need this coach. You know, even in the end game, if it, I don't know how many people saw the game, it was amazing how LSU has much better athletes, and Yale gets a ridiculous strip and a basket, cut the lead to five. LSU, they almost were like looking around at each other, playing not to lose in the final five minutes. Am I the only one that feels that way? So, Fez, real quick side question. When your parents bought you into Northwestern, why not just Yale? <laughs> like, why did they only go with, like, they didn't have enough money to buy you into, like, the true Ivy Leagues? You know, I actually <laughs> got into Duke, and I went to Northwestern, and, like, the, my first winter in Chicago, I was like, what was I thinking? But you were powerlifting, so, I mean, what the hell? Fez, Fez was almost Zion. <laughs> dunking basketballs at Duke. That could have been Fez. How much could we collect here with a hat if we had Fez clean and jerking 
I'm trying to, I'm being serious, powerlifting. Back like when he was 23. Like if we had footage of him in the gym with the white powder like the Russians used to have, oh my God, I would, I'd put in a dime right now. If I has any old, any old Super 8s? Now my secret is to bring Mountain Dew to the gym. <laughs> hey, RJ, there's a couple underlying stories in this tournament that are pretty amazing. When you look at Baylor and they win tonight, their leading scorer, Makai Mason, was at Yale a couple years ago. He could still be on that team. Mario Shayok, leading scorer for Iowa State, was on Virginia, could still be on that team. Can you imagine those two oh. squads if they still had those two players? That's a Ken Thompson-level point. Brad, LSU. I don't like either team. I want to fade both Maryland and LSU, so this makes this difficult. So someone's going to win, and then you'll have a good fade in the next round. Yeah, that's how I'm going to operate. And for those that want likes, I'll have a couple more for you in these other games. I'm not going to have a bet in this one right now. Don't get worked up. It's all right. All right, so Cofield, do, do we want to take a question or two or keep well, going down well, the well, well, What about Ken? I thought you want to, you want us, don't you want us to weigh in on that? On the LSU, on LSU. game? Yeah, I, I, oh, bought, I bought LSU oh, you're down double to two. Di- you're double dipping. Go I ahead, bought, Well, I bought LSU down to two right away because this is a team that lost a player to a death before the season, lost their coach, Will Wade, fighting through adversity. These guys feel that they are against the world right now, and right now they're finding ways to win. They didn't have their best shooting game today either. But they had a comfortable lead. And there's a reason Yale missed all those three-pointers. The defense was there. The perimeter defense was there. These weren't wide-open looks. They made four of their last six to cover that game. LSU will be focused, and they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. And I think Reed's going to have a big game, and I think they're going to take out Maryland big. So I have some questions over here, okay? Real quick, though. Yes. Buying half points for 10 cents is wrong. So you listen to Ken and say, wait a minute, he's on this stage. He obviously has a massive depth of knowledge, and he's buying half points. So, Fez, how much is, let's say, you said you bought the five? I, I, had, uh, I had Villanova today, and I bought the half point down to four, and it saved me because I won by no, four. No, I, well, I understand. I, I understand. To- I mean, people have different things. I understand if you do it in the no, long no, run. Not, Ken, Ken, I'm not debating I, you. I'm telling you factually no, it's I believe not you. worth it. I believe you. But what I'm saying is, one, First of all, how much is in, how much off is the value at ten cents? During the regular season, it's only worth seven and a half cents to buy onto a five. But this time of year, these lines are tighter, so I think it's worth eight and a half cents. It's not worth the ten cents. Okay, so now think about this, guys. Does that invalidate Ken's points? No. What it shows is we're all human. No one's a perfect batter. Even Fezzik's not a pro- I mean, he's not even allowed betting me anymore against his wife said. It. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard. You want f- to? I, I, I can bet against Powers, though. I mean, that's the, that's one of the great stories, Fez. I mean, it's almost like I should just retire. Fezzik's wife says you can't bet RJ anymore. But the point I'm making about Ken is that point, that penny and a half, maybe he's not getting a value. If psychologically it makes him feel good to buy the five, how much is he gaining? Is it worth a penny and a half? I don't know. But as you listen, I always say this. I try to get the guys I like best. If I could have any NFL guy, it'd be Fezzik. If I could have any college guy, it'd be Brad. That's sincere. But there's other good guys out there. And as you listen to them, the trick is, and we say this all the time, but it's worth saying, if they say it's easy to win, run the other way because it's not. We know that. 
And number two, if they never disagree with each other or the group, I hate that too because you've got to disagree sometimes. But just because someone says something wrong, perhaps mathematically by one and a half cents, if you know it's wrong, it doesn't mean the other 99% of what they're doing isn't wonderful. I think Ken has a depth of knowledge as deep as anyone in college basketball that bets it, right? And Fez, your depth of knowledge in college basketball is what? 10% of, of Ken's maybe. Maybe 8%. Uh, there you go. But you're not buying a half point. Yeah, but one thing I got to mention, this is niche but I have to mention this. Oh, geez. If you can buy two points and keep buying half points for 10 cents, I won't go through all the math. It actually is worth it in most cases. All right, banana song drop. Oh. Right. <laughs> so the point I'm making is if you can take physics, when to buy a half point, and Ken's depth of knowledge, that's your job, how to consolidate what of stuff of mine to ignore? What stuff of no one's perfect up here. So, all right, what AJ, do you think, that was a, AJ, that was a lean or a like on LSU. A lean or a like? He, he likes. Oh, I, I like you LSU. Like him? Mark yeah. wanted to comment on your like of LSU. Okay. AJ, yeah. Are you allergic to underdogs? <laughs> what did I have? I had New Mexico State today. I had Northeastern today. I had Murray I'm gonna, State I'm today. Put your over under. At 64% of all the picks you've given out as favorites over the past however many episodes you guys have been doing. Is my, is my number green or red? <laughs> I'm, we're talking about favorites and dogs. I, I'm asking if my number is green or red. I'm, I'm talking green. about favorites and dogs. Uh, I just think it's interesting. You take I, I don't a lot just, more favorites than a lot than a lot you're of You're probably right, and I will say that. I, like, I, don't, I know RJ, will, he gets on me sometimes about being, being square. Um, but I also don't live here. I'm not in the Vegas bubble where I feel like I've got to abide to all the rules of you bet underdogs, you bet, uh, you bet unders. I, I I'll be honest with you. Dave Esler, we talk about the same thing, right? He lives in Florida. Dave's been winning a pregame literally every year for like eight years. It's almost impossible what he do- has done. And then I listen to his handicap and I disagree with a third of it probably. And I'm thinking, how sure am I? We're all sitting around in Vegas feeling like we're all so sharp. And there is a lot of sharp guys in Vegas. I love an outsider's opinion. And let me challenge you, sir, honestly. If everyone's handicapping the same way, that third guy, that fourth guy is meaningless. To have a guy that plays a bunch of favorites that might take you off a two dog. Imagine you buy AJ and Brad, let's just say, for example, or it's just a podcast. If Brad has 70% dogs and AJ has 70% favorites, when they disagree, that's valuable. That means stay away from the game. So to me, if everyone's betting the same, like when Brad is in the NFL, and I, I don't want him to hear <laughs> this, but and him and Fezzik seem to line up every freaking game. I mean, other than me joking about it, where's the value there? So I love different styles. Let me ask you this, AJ. Why do you think you're playing more favors than the average Vegas guy. Because I don't think about who's going to be favored or an underdog. Like, I, I think this is the number that I'm looking for, and then I decide if it falls on the plus or minus. That's what I'm, I'm – I care about math and numbers more than I care about if there's a minus or a plus. And, Faz, that makes an interesting point. It seems like the sharps are dictating the marketplace now more than ever, and the sharps are dog players. 
If anything, wouldn't you say, I would say I'm betting more NFL favorites than I've ever bet because there's times that everyone's saying, oh, dog, dog, dog. It's like it's three and a half. It's like, man, five years ago, this line would have been five and a half. Yeah, absolutely. You're seeing so much money on dogs early. Look at the the action today. What happens? Villanova closes minus three and a half, covers by half a point because everyone bet St. Mary's earlier in the week. And even Purdue goes all the way down to 12, closes. Purdue wins by 13. Purdue doesn't cover the opening number, but they cover the lower closing number. All right, Brad, next game. Next game, we have Michigan State favored by 10 over Minnesota. So a little bit of a Big Ten conference matchup here. And I got to be honest with you guys. Lean. No. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a like on the total. Oh. But here's what I, here's what what a, I want to know. What, no, what no, a no, treat. What a treat. It pays the same. So I, I want to go under. But what I have to do, and, and I didn't know the matchup until the day, I want to know who's you know, refing this game, because if it's somebody from the Big Ten Conference, if you've seen Big Ten games all year long, the refs let these guys play. They're very familiar with one another. Minnesota and Michigan Ooh. State, they're going to know their strengths and weaknesses. Uh, we've seen a lot of overs hit today. I want to bet under 142, especially if I see some Big Ten referees, because they allow a certain style of play in that conference. So the basic premise is more fouls means more points because they're shooting foul shots. Yeah. Sooner. And wow. you don't see that in the Big Ten. They, I mean, they, they, they pretty much let them play. Now, Fez, is, is that going to move the line when the referee assignments come out? How many guys in town here are, are thinking at that level? None that I'm aware of, but I'm sure there are some. That's an interesting point. So are you betting it either way or just if there's Big Ten refs? Uh, no, I'm going to bet the under, but, I mean, it's going to be a monster bet if I know it's a Big Ten of- officials. Now, what's the soonest way to find out who's officiating the games? Usually it's like the day before, I want to say, you can get that information. So tomorrow sometime. Okay. Interesting. Uh, NCAA. Brad Power 7 on Twitter. Yeah, Brad Power 7. Yeah, follow me on Twitter. I'll post it. (laughs) I'll listen to this guy. Cofield, you want to – well, let's finish this game. So does anyone like a side in this game? I don't. I, I lean Michigan State only because yeah because they're a favorite. I lean them. Um, I, I just watching Minnesota today, and every time I mean Minnesota wins because they they hit more than double their season average of three pointers. And if you watch Coffee shoot, everyone was surprised, including him, that those shots go in. He, I mean, he he shoots like he's shot putting a, a basketball, and then it goes in, and it's like, how did that happen? I, 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 it, That's what I, some people I think about Ken, about Ken's jumper too. So let's I, 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 just, I just think it's fool's gold. I, I don't. I don't think this Minnesota team is very good. Um, I, I don't want to lay that number on Michigan State. You're, but you're I, talking I, a lot about a game you don't like. Okay. <laughs> What's your take on the game, RJ? Whatever, Brad, and you say, I split <laughs> the difference. I'm smart, Ken. Uh, you know this is intriguing, but I think that Richard Pitino. And the Patino family probably exhale after beating Louisville. That's like a big monkey off their back. Because you know Chris Mack, as good as he was in his inaugural season with the Cardinals, there was pressure on him from the Louisville community to beat the young Patino because of what happened with Rick. And, of course, Richard was part of that staff. Minnesota's playing their best ball. They beat Purdue twice in the last 
two weeks of the season, once in the tournament, once in their last uh, road game or home game, I think. And uh, they're just playing good ball. So 10 and a half, which is what it was, and maybe Brad said it's 10, is a lot of points to give. I'm going to delve into the game a little bit more, but right now I think that's a lot of points, the way Michigan State's playing. I don't think Winston's 100%, and I think Michigan State got scared big time because Bradley out in the Missouri Valley, who finished, you know, they won the tournament, but they finished third in that conference. It was a very weak conference since Creighton and Wichita State left. The Missouri Valley's nothing what it used to be. So I'm looking at this game and saying Minnesota's playing great ball. Michigan State, they're going to have that big brother attitude. Why? Because they kicked Minnesota's ass in the one meeting this year, and they own Minnesota over the years. At the end of the day, it's Izzo against Richard Pitino. If I had to play it, I'd probably play Michigan State, but I like the way Minnesota's playing right now. You know what's funny? I saw the Dice Man actually in this exact theater. Um, Brad's going to do some Dice Man stuff at the end. I mean, we'll, we'll <laughs> break it, and then... <laughs> Little Boy Blue. Hickory He needed dickory. the money. <laughs> Oh, I opened that. That wasn't good. Cofield. Dennis has a question. Yeah, real quick. I want to get some Irvine talk going here. So, number one, I want to know if you like Irvine. Number two, if you do like them, at what point mm. would you not want to bet the number? Because I know a lot of money has been gum- coming in on them. So, would, is there a number where you would want to stay away from it? So, we but- had two bracket busters in our bracket. And by the way, guys, I don't know if any of you got the bracket. It broke the record for our sales. So, and we're feeling good. What twelve and four, Brad? But no Sweet Sixteen team eliminated. Yeah, we haven't lost a Sweet Sixteen team yet. So we're in position. Irvine was our second bracket buster. I don't want to mention it, but just for full disclosure, Northeastern from AJ was the first bracket. Is that the only one who had Northeastern? It was just your passion. It was your passion. You know, again, since you like to lay the lumber so much, since you were taking points, we figure this is special. (laughs) So so let's start on the Irvine talk is why do we like them and where's the buy price? Where do we stop buying? Yeah, I think the the buy price for me is coming gone. It's more of a lean now at four and a half. And everyone, including myself, have made a lot about this Dean Wade injury for Kansas State. Uh, one of their best players being out for the Wildcats. But keep in mind, when Kansas State made the lead eight last year, they didn't have Dean Wade, their best player, last year when they made that run. So lean for me, I mean, four and a half is uh, way past what my power rating on the game would be. So just a lean on Irvine. For does, me. does anyone still like Irvine at the current number? I still like him at four and a half. And I think what the market is not getting right here is that the game after this game, Game's in San Jose, so Irvine will represent well the Irvine fans. But the game after is Oregon and Wisconsin. We all know whiskey travels well. Oregon is on the West Coast. Well, those fans are going to be in the venue before their game. Who are they going to root for? Kansas State? Or are they going to root for Cinderella? They're going to root for Irvine because they know their path for their team is easier to get to the Sweet 16 if they can, the upset gets pulled. And frankly... Uh, you get a, a juiced-up crowd. They're going to want to root for the underdog. I've seen this happen many times in the NCAA tournament. The crowd turns on the better seed. I agree with them. Look at the ticket. What are the four teams on the ticket? Who plays first? And who do you expect the team, uh, the fans of the second game's teams to root for? That is such a key. Oftentimes, the first game's winner or loser might leave if they don't care about the second game. But if you're going to be there for the second game, you're there for the first game. 
And the, the crowd rooting is an art trying to figure out who they're going to root for. I will say I like Irvine still at this number. If tomorrow they say for sure Dean Wade's not playing, uh, it, Dean, they still haven't announced that he's out. But if Dean Wade is out, I, I would take Irvine. What do you mean they didn't a, announce? Yeah, they, Weber they pretty much said out. it'd be a they miracle. Today? Yeah, okay. No, they announced yeah. it a couple days ago. I had yeah. Wyatt Thompson, the voice of Kansas State, on my show. He was in a walking boot when they were announcing the teams, and he's not going to. Not only is he not going to, to if they win that game, he's probably not going at all the rest of the tournament. Yeah, they, he's they, pretty much going to probably be out for the rest of the tournament. They, they, they don't have an offense without Dean Wade. And well, here, here's the thing. They also were without Dean Wade during the season, and they won several of those games. And they were also without Dean Wade and Kamal Stokes in a couple games, and they won a couple of those games in conference. So... To say that they're not going to win without this guy, yeah, this guy's a good player, but Bruce Weber's doing his best coaching job since Southern Illinois. And so if you don't look at this team defensively, they're good enough to take out UC Irvine. Now, I worked in the Big West for four years calling Long Beach State. I went to the Bren Center in UC Irvine. Russell Turner's the real deal. Very rarely since the days of Utah State and Pacific, the only time the Big West ever got two teams to go to the big dance, when Stu Morrow was coaching Utah State, when Thomason was coaching Pacific. They both finished 26-5. and five. They, they played each other in the championship. That's when they went there. This Irvine team, not only did they run away with the Big West, but they dominated the Big West tournament. That does not happen often. This is the real deal as far as coming from the Big West, but, RJ, the best number is gone by far. Now, when you guys hear Ken on the pod, does he seem this intense? You can't. You can't yes. hear. It. You can or can't. I, I can. Because we've thought of having, you know, like in wrestling where they have a cage match. We've thought of having a cage just around Ken, so we could be comfortable that if we disagreed, <laughs> that we were all safe. I mean, Brad, be honest. There's been times when, and I'm kind of a sicko. If I see someone ready to blow, I keep jabbing at them. <laughs> How many times did you think that, like, like that last drop I played was going to cause the brawl? Oh, I'm over under on that. <laughs> I would say one out of every four podcasts. <laughs> All right. What do you think, Cofield? What's next? So we had another question from Steve about uh, a cutoff on a stat. So when, real quick, when you say another question from Steve, you're saying this is it for Steve. This is my first question. Well, then why is he saying it like that? Another question from the audience. Here's, <laughs> here's Steve. <laughs> I actually have two questions. Ah! But uh, I also have a comment for uh, Fezzik. Uh, <laughs> just just to say that, you know, I, I agree that I like your stories, RJ. Uh, but 91% of the time when you play the bananas clip for Fezzik, I actually find it really interesting. Some of the stuff that he kind of just pops off with. It's, it's completely out of left field. And listen, you, totally you admitting that in front of everyone, I mean, it's gutsy. You want to be my friend? That's the first what I do. step. <laughs> So, so two questions. Uh, first is about coaching. Second is about free throws. Uh, the first coach, first question about coaching is where do you think the, the, the difference is in terms of, you know, we talked about like Duke and some of the podcasts you guys have talked about how, um, you know, uh, uh, coach K isn't a great X's and O's guys anymore. Um, versus like a Villanova who is in the tournament, been really, really outperforming. Um, you know, so, how, so how much does that factor in? Yeah, let's go one at a time, and, and we'll, we'll actually right. let Steve have his second one, Steve, okay? So thank you. Just don't be critical of him. I think you might be mistaken. Uh, Alan Boston is a famous uh, sports batter. College basketball is his specialty. 
and he's preached for years, you know, Coach K doesn't know how to coach, and Roy Williams doesn't know how to coach. To me, Allen is a guy who's in his, you know, moving in through his 60s. He liked the old era. And maybe if we were playing like it was 1992, he'd be right. I don't know. I'm not a believer that the best coaches are not good coaches. So does anyone on the panel agree with Allen that, oh, Coach K has some magic fairy dust that somehow that he gets these players, but he doesn't know what he's doing with X's and O's, even though he coached the dream team Mm. for four Olympics, right? Uh, He he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not going to say Coach K is – Great X's and O's, but I I think he's so first off, much you, average. Hold on. Do you really think you're in a position to judge Coach K's X's and O's? I just know what the analytics guys so did you know, tell me. So you would out Coach K? I didn't say that. Well, I'm not a coach. You're judging him? That's my that's my opinion. Yeah, I think I mean, he's average X's and O's. He's a brilliant recruiter. I mean, and I think in the past, 30 years ago, X's and O's, he had it. A lot of his great X's and O's guys, like Steve Wojciechowski, are gone. Those assistant coaches are gone. And we, I mean, he's still recruiting, elite recruiter, but I don't see it. What were you going to say, Jay? I was going to say, I mean, just because he doesn't, I mean, he's talking about Krzyzewski relative to his peers. Mm-hmm. Brad doesn't know how to coach college basketball. I so mean, that's what I'm saying. How can we just, like, imagine Fezzik, what was your highest chess rating? 2,100. I used to play chess. I was 1,900. Imagine me, Fezzik's playing a game. He's better than me. And I look over the board and go, oh, that move sucked. Would, who would take it seriously? He knows more chess than me. I, that, and it's not just Brad. It's anyone on talk radio that has to jibber jabber for three hours a day. They're, you, half the time, I think they're talking about things they have. Now, by the way, AJ has three hours a day in Houston. Uh, I think you have to spend jibber, half. Jibber jabber. <laughs> Jibbering and jabbering. Yeah. I mean, how can we judge Coach K's X's and O's? Then who's allowed to critique Coach K? Nobody. People better than him. So who? Uh, if there's a guy like Bobby Knight who, and again, I know Bobby's gotten old. I'm not even sure, you know, how much TV he's doing anymore. But, for example, in football, I'm a Mike Lombardi guy. Mike Lombardi was the left or right-hand man from Bill Belichick. If Lombardi tells me the Rams did this wrong, I trust him. Right. But I don't trust. And, and even a guy like Gray Cosell that we have on the Fox show all year, he's been at NFL films for 39 years. Right. Brad is going to look at the betting board better than Bobby Knight. But I just feel like that we're in a society that everyone wants to judge everybody. And I think most of the time the people aren't good enough to judge them. And we've had this. So argument. you, as a Steelers fan, you you watch Mike Tomlin. He does something stupid with clock management, which he does about every game. Do you not say, "God, I wish this guy was better at clock management"? Do you have to be a, a professional football head coach to be able to say that? Faz, why don't you answer this question? No, you don't. And I think a, a big part of basic well, strategy. What I thought you were going to say was, "This is RJ's. <laughs> pet, this is RJ's pet peeve that all the Twitter geniuses want to talk about is game theory." But go ahead. RJ doesn't like me to talk about this stuff, but real quickly, one thing about the decision-making. But please allow me to do it. In 10 seconds, <laughs> as soon as you trot out the field goal kicker to kick a field goal fourth and one from the one-yard line, you know it's a mistake, and here's why. The live wagering lines will tell you. 
Because the second a team attempts the field goal there, their odds of winning the game, according to Vegas, drop because of that decision. Okay, fair enough. And that assumes the Vegas algorithm knows more than the coach. And maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. And this is nothing against Brad. Brad's probably amongst handicappers, one of the guys who I think knows X's and O's. I just don't think he knows them better than Coach K. But let me ask you guys. Let's do another vote. When you hear someone critique Coach K, not so much his ethics or his suits or but I mean, like, oh, he should have pressed them and did the diamond this and the boxing one that. Does that feel right to you? It, I mean, it just feels like that person better know more than Coach K. I agree, man. We RJ, we look at Nick Saban every year, gets the best players, wins, and we put him up on this pedestal. Coach K, yeah, he gets great players, but there's you know, 64 other teams in every tournament that are gunning for this guy. And somehow, like New England, every year, you can find that guy in the Final Four every freaking time. doesn't matter. We looked at New England this year. How many of us thought, oh, they're done, you know, three-quarters of the way into the season. Somehow, they're there in that championship game, and you know those bastards are going to be there in that Super Bowl and find a way to win it most of the times. Not pretty, but they get it done. Duke is the same way. And trust me, those NBA Dream Team guys – they have the utmost respect for Coach K because they know he knows what he's talking about. He's a military guy. He does everything to detail, and it shows in his... Uh, now, I will say this. Brad, who does read nine newspapers every day, when you do read about, hey, this assistant was doing this, and now this assistant's gone, I think that can make you at least antenna go up. Uh-oh, maybe there's something going to be missing in the X's and O's. Though it's hard for me, I think, to judge it. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so, so another one. I wanted to piggyback on something that Fezzik was saying. Um, as a live better, if you could ask a coach, you could ask Sean McVay, do you have a fourth and one play that you feel extremely confident in? And he said, no, that would affect your live wagering, right? Well, you, you're, not, you're not able to ask him that question, but when he brings out the, fourth, the field goal team, He's telling you, no, I don't have a fourth and one play that I feel extremely confident in, and that affects live wagering. If you knew every play, then it would be, if you knew what was on the person's sheet and how much they liked it, that would change more than, well, in a hundred scenarios, fourth and one is bad because of this. You know, the specifics that you don't know until they bring out the field goal team. What I would suggest is if you enjoy our pod, and obviously this is a group that really does, Read as much about Belichick as you can. Belichick is a genius. And my favorite book about Belichick is called The Making of a Coach. And it's only about 200 pages. And a Haberstam is the fellow who wrote it. He's passed away. And they talk about Ernie Adams is a childhood friend of Belichick. And he'll, in, in like, it's March, right? He'll tell Ernie Adams, I want you to do research on... If the sun's here and the wind's here and we're in this stadium because we're playing the Browns next year, should we kick off in overtime at what temperature? Like, and Ernie Adams will go spend 10 days and give him a 40-page paper on it. That's what Belichick is doing. So now obviously he's here. And in my opinion, Coach K, no coach is Belichick's level. But when we look at the Seattle game, Super Bowl, when they let that clock run down, that was, in my opinion, the most genius move in the coaching history. And Michael Lombardi's talked about this. He was on the headsets. It was 
Call timeout, call timeout. That was what they said. And Belichick says, look at him, look at him. They don't know what to do. So Belichick is in the moment saying, everyone watching that game thought, why? Fez, what were you thinking? You got to call timeout. What are you doing? What's the genius doing? There must be a reason. There must be a reason. All right, what so do we got? We got a great question over here about one of my favorite topics, hedging future bets. So let's do this first. We've gone about an hour, almost an hour, almost two hours. We're going to go another 20 or so. Like, so but if anyone's going to head out, because obviously it's getting late, we want to give away some T-shirts. So why don't we, anyone in, let, Mackie, where's the Mac man? Let's get some love for Mackie. There he is, the mysterious Mackie. If you've met him, he shook your head. You should have seen this guy at the Super Bowl. He's just walking, shaking everyone's hand. I mean, you think he's slipping 20s into the maitre d', but, but, you know, actually the best Mackey story ever, though. I mean, this really is so good. I mean, he, let's agree. Brad, why don't you give Mackey a mic real quick? So, how many times did you email pregame before you got any response? Oh, God, quite a few. Uh, I'd say about 10, 15 times. And that's what I I usually just ignore. Anyone looking for a job, I just ignore the first 10 or 15, figuring if they really want it, they keep going. So, finally, he busted through. At one point, I had 10 minutes. I read it. And he had this school, and he said, number 14 in the U.S. News and World Report. And I'm like, I have never heard of this school. What was the name of it? Pomona College. Yeah. Now, what's going on there? (laughs) That's home cooking. (laughs) So the hilarious thing is, as you can see, look at the guy. He he looks like he should be, well, he worked for what, Merrill Lynch. That's right. Looks like he should be a stock guy. He's living his dream job. He works very hard. He is bright. So the first night we're all going out. We go to dinner. Fezzik's there. Fezzik orders an entree. Brad orders an entree. I order an entree. It comes to him. First dinner with your bosses. You've been waiting, your, you know, a year for this job. He says, I'd like one entree now and one to go, please. <laughs> I, honest to God. <laughs> Finally, just for history's sake, what were you thinking, Maggie? Talk in the mic. I thought I could eat both that night at that <laughs> table. So I was like, I'm hungry. I'm getting two of these. But even if you were sandwiches. hungry, like I enjoy eating. I can't lie. And, but if I was out on, let's say, me and Colin Cowherd's out at dinner and I wanted two desserts, I'm not getting two desserts. I'm getting a frosty on the way home. It was not a good move. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we do this? Why don't you make the rounds? See who wants a, a T-shirt or a hat. We'll give them a choice. And as a thank you, we're going to give whoever wants one a, a hat for coming out. So, all right, Cofield. All right. Uh, I have more of an educational question. Um, love the show. But my question is, you, you talk about uh, futures and betting like, say, 60 to 1 or 100 to 1 picks. But you don't necessarily think that they're going to win it all. But how do you make money off of a pick, even if you don't expect it to necessarily win? Okay, so the most common question I get is hedging, right? I've got some bet that has a positive EV. How do I guarantee my money? Bookies love to hear that because you're taking an edge and you're minimizing it just to assure yourself a profit. 
So for me, the only time I hedge personally, two scenarios. One, if it's a lifetime changing money. So if someone said, I've got a 50% chance to win $100 million, which would be life changing, I'm going to be honest, I would take $40 million. Now, mathematically, that doesn't make any sense. But I'll take the 40 because my that last 10 million, I don't need that second jet. I just want the 40. So based on anyone's individual financial situation, is this life-changing money? If it is, hedge out even if it's a negative EV play. And then the second way, Fez, I think is if the second bet is a bet you would make by itself. So why not have a second positive EV play if for whatever reason you would like that bet? Do you agree with that? I do. And it happens all the time that you're bullish on a team and then, hey, all of a sudden they're in the Elite Eight and they run into a team you like every bit as much and who might be playing better than you expect. And you're like, boy, you know what? I actually like the favorite in this game. Well, now it's time to hedge. Because now you get a double advantage. You've got a second bet you like. And for your bankroll, you're diversifying. Exactly. Okay. He's taught me a lot, Faz. He has. It's a true story, actually. A mechanical parlay is the other way to bet it that lets you hedge without a cost. So explain that, Fez. Yeah, so the mechanical parlay, you're super high on a team like Auburn. So let's use an example, Auburn. Yeah, we'll take Auburn. They're five seed, 80 to one. It looks like solid value. Well, as it turns out, why not just take whatever you're going to bet? You're say you're going to bet $100 in Auburn. Boom. First round of the tournament, just bet them on the money line to win. They win. Bruce Pearl almost blows it today, but they win. Okay, you cash in your money line. Now you get to decide, do I still like Auburn? You can roll it over each and every week. And you know what? By the So, so with six separate money line, let it ride bets, you replicate a futures ticket. Exactly right. And the beauty of this is there's there's two advantages usually. One is... It typically, not always, but typically the mechanical parlay is going to pay way more than if you just locked it into that one bet on the future because you're paying so much VIG into the futures pool. And then the second... And and remember, you can also make each separate bet at a different book. So the first bet, you find a book A at minus 140. Now bet two, you're betting the book B and you're getting a good value. So you get to... It's not just even finding the best single future payout you get to shop every round exactly right and the second advantage is the story can change you may well have watched auburn struggle in the first round say you know what i'm done with this team they're not as good as i thought or you ride it into the all the way to the final four and then you say this is a bad matchup for them in the final four i'm going to go ahead and take my winnings at this point in time and i don't have to edge it anymore i'm just done that's my not by not letting it all ride you're effectively hedging out your win So to me, you've got to be – here's the thing, though. There's got to be discrete events like winning a seven-game series or winning an individual game in order to replicate that. Question to your left from Matt. Yeah, yeah, RJ, I know your uh, play tomorrow is Virginia. Do any of the other guys have uh, any strong plays that they – He's like, we've been hearing his BS for two hours. Now it's time for some freaking (laughs) best best winners. (laughs) Oh, who doesn't like Blossom? Oh, wow. See, this, wow. Is, this is it. Brad, Boo! AJ, AJ. As, as AJ, stand up, AJ. Yeah. Very manly. You Were you in the Marines? 
No. Army, in the Army infantry? Yeah. Yes. MMA fighter? Yes. How many bar fights in your career? A handful. Undefeated in the bar fights? No. <laughs> <laughs> There was a there was a time when, when I was like 6'3", 190 pounds, but I was pretty sure that I, I, I was 250. This is a true story. Uh, Tom is our head of sales, and uh, he's my best buddy or second best buddy's younger brother. He's worked with me a long time. Tom's like 5'9", he, look, he looks like a produce manager at a grocery store. 5'9", 180. About two months ago, he's out for the – what fight was this we were out for? The, the Pacquiao fight. Uh, was? I yeah, it was Pacquiao. He's drunk. I mean, he, you're, he's like 20, sh- well, I don't know, 14 shots in maybe. Come on, be honest. Not 20. And he looks <laughs> over at Tom and he lifts up his hands and he goes, I could kill you with my bare That's hands. That's not how it went. <laughs> that, how'd it go? That w- Tom bitched at me about some drink I, or I, I brought him. And then you said, I can kill you with my bare hands. No, and, and I, I, I feel like you stirred it up. Ah, well, of course. And Knocker. Tom, Tom got a little bold, and I was just trying to remind Tom his... I mean, he's, he's in post-traumatic stress counseling at this point. His, his, pla- <laughs> his place in the food chain of life. I was just trying to remind him. All right, so let's do some best bets. So... And what I'm interested in, what I'm interested, <laughs> you know what we should do? We should just do a podcast in which literally it's like an eight minute pod with best bets and put it out. Now, hold on. And then put the real pod out and see what the listenership is. I'm thinking we're going to get the Blossom fans over with us. But the thing with AJ is I think was as masculine as he is, his history of violence he he can't embrace Blossom. It's like, is it because you're, you're fearful that people's going to think you're femme? What is it? No, I, I just, I never, I didn't understand it when I... But uh, now you do? I, I guess. <laughs> that means no. I, I also, I mean, I never watched Blossom. Like, I don't have any emotional attachment to Blossom. All you've got to do you is and see... I talk to- All you've got to do is see her dance one time. And she's in your heart forever. You and I talked our favorite TV shows over brunch this morning. <laughs> That's how fem we are. We had brunch. Like RJ had three mimosas. No, uh, no, no I had two desserts. Oh, he did have two desserts, but one was sugar-free. Uh, but I, we, you, I never heard you mention Blossom being one of the all-time great shows. It's not. It's the oh. theme song. Okay. All right, so let's do it. Here's what I want, though. I want a best bet for Friday... But I want something with a late-breaking element, meaning you wouldn't have necessarily liked this Monday, but because of the line move, let's give extra value to the hardcore fans. This is something that, because we're sitting here today, we know more about. So maybe we'll take a second and let these guys think. Is anyone ready for this? Did you hear what I said? Yeah, we're ready. All right, so you're giving me a Friday best bet that has value that's revealed itself in the last 24 hours. Yep, and the value here is with the line move. So we've seen a lot of, you know, more dogs than favorites cover. So we're starting to see dogs start to get even more action on tomorrow's card. And to me, it's offered up some value on a favorite. I don't do this often, but I like, and my best bet is Virginia Tech minus 10 over Georgia State. Looking at you, that. You like to lay that lumber, baby. Oh, wait. Yeah. Well, 
First oh, Virginia off, Tech over St. Louis. St. Louis, St. Louis. Uh, looking at the matchup, St. Louis is one of the worst shooting teams in the country, especially from the free throw line. Virginia Tech is getting their guard, Justin Robinson, back. Now, is he going to be the player he was before he got out? No, but I don't think it's being properly priced into this line of 10. And, and to me, St. Louis was just a team that got lucky at last weekend, middle of the road Atlantic 10 team. They're just happy to be there. Virginia Tech is a team that wants to advance multiple games. I'm not afraid to lay it here. Give me the Hokies minus 10. All right. Nice one. Nice. Anyone, anyone disagree with that on the panel? No, that's probably, that probably would have been my best bet as well. Mm. Well, you're going to have to, come I'll, I'll come up one. with another one, but Just that, that, that would have been Well, listen, when Ken's given his, you're going to have more than enough time. All right. Ken. Yeah, no. And, and Brad and I were talking, so I lean on Virginia tech too, but I like Iowa state and Iowa state got some momentum going into the, uh, or in the big 12 championship and end up winning three games there. It's a team that started out great. They have, you know, four or five guys, including Shayok, that leads the team. But they have four or five guys that can knock it down from the outside. If Wigington's on, Shayok's on, this team's tough to beat. Caleb Wesson is all Ohio State. Without him, they're nothing. The big body down low, if he dominates in the paint, Iowa State could be up against it. But I don't think he'll be able to be the one-man band that he was in a couple of their games that helped get him in as in a large team. And I know that's RJ's alma mater, and he's always like, are you an anti-Ohio State guy? And I'm like, I'm not. My dad was an Ohio State guy. So... I'm just not. Listen, uh, Ken, envy is a normal human emotion. No, no, listen, I, I've, been a, I've been a USC fan since I'm a little kid. Grew up in Jersey, probably the only USC fan outside of uh, Bob Scucci, who runs the Boyd Racing Sportsbook, who graduated SC. I didn't have those grades. I basically joined the Navy to get out of Jersey and uh, get to the West Coast. So uh, <laughs> He would have been an extra on the Sopranos otherwise. No, actually, RJ, and you mentioned white men can't jump, and I told the guys I actually read for the lead in white men can't jump back in the so day. So. You were going to be Woody Harrelson's I character. I was going to be Woody Harrelson. What happened was Wesley Snipes actually got the script, and not only did he want to do the African-American part, but he put $500,000 of his own money to upgrade a really low B-budget movie. His only stipulation was the white guy – had to have an established name. I had just got my SAG union card from doing a Joe Weider home fitness gym commercial, so I was union, but Woody Harrelson ended up, and they, they actually saw me playing in Venice Beach. There's three courts there. I hit six straight jumpers from the corner. That's how I got the, the read, you know, to read for the whole thing. Now, hey, look, now how, much would, <laughs> how much would you pay to hear Ken Thompson? Now, do you drink much, Ken? I, I, I have, and, my, and a lot of you know my brother-in-law, Zach Wild, obviously a guitar player. Zach and I used to close the bars back in Jersey. Imagine, Ken, like nine drinks in at 4.30 in the morning, alone in, with a tape recorder, just like talking for an hour straight. Wouldn't that be fascinating? So ultimately, your best bet is? Iowa State, minus five and a half over Ohio State. AJ, what's going on with the future? It's anybody's bet. Well, I feel like the, the two the two games that I still like the most tomorrow. Uh, I mean, one of them's still Irvine. I, I, I think so. I, I mean, but we've, we've talked ad nauseum about it a little bit, and I, I like Virginia Tech. But I, I'll go back to uh, I'll go back to Buffalo, and I, I just think uh, I'm sorry. There's I know they're favored. I know, uh, uh, but I, I just think that the matchups say, and, and honestly, I think Buffalo is a more talented team. And obviously being a six seed as a mid-major, that's, that's a high seeding because that team is, is really good, really respected. And I, I think that number is a little bit shorter than it probably should have opened. All right, Fez. All right, I'm going to come in on Texas Tech because I can get them minus 12 and a half now. 
And I love the spot, frankly. So Texas Tech was playing as well as anybody in the Big 12, and they got embarrassed in the Big 12 tournament, lost to West Virginia. Contrast that with Northern Kentucky. Nice run through the Verizon tournament, including a buzzer beater to get them into the final. So I've got one team in Northern Kentucky that's fat and happy, thrilled to just be in the tournament, and another team, Texas Tech, that should be fully focused off of an embarrassing loss I'll lay the lumber minus the 12 and a half down from 14 and a half. I mean, the fact that's a favorite, the fact that you've been ignoring your wife's tax to get home to give us that we all appreciate it so much. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here's how we're going to finish. We got three Saturday games. We haven't looked at. We're going to just see who likes them. No leans, no, you know, long talking. But first, last question. And Steve, jump around whoever wants to answer. What do you like best and what do you like worst? And you don't have to give both. Just give one or the other about the pod. What would improve the pod the most and either by adding it or by taking something away? Anyone got Who thoughts? Who wants to comment? About the podcast? Yes. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. He's a good, Cofield's the boss here. He's the boss. Sorry about that. Hey, guys, I just want to say thanks because, as I was joking with you, I have my own basketball. So I know thousands of coaches, and I can't do what you do. So I have so much respect for that. So I'm going to start listening more. These three guys turned me on to coming to the show. Well, and, awesome, awesome. And, um, my my God, I like I said, I can call any coach I want. I still can't do what you guys do. So keep the podcast going. Keep the information. It's only – listen – Three years ago, we were at Malinsky. The old timers remember he unfortunately passed away. Dave, one of the sharpest guys out there. We were averaging like eight, nine thousand listeners the first year. Second year, we were averaging twenty eight thousand. We were like, wow. Last year, we were averaging one hundred fifty, one hundred sixty. It's like, wow. This year, we were averaging three hundred eighty thousand listeners nice. on the NFL Pod. So, and. Obviously, you guys telling your friends is why that's happening. Oh, this so. is, these guys, that's all they talked about when I came out here. So I said I had to bring you a ball. Well, I, well uh-huh. hey, we, that's what we're going to use for the shootout. Man. Shoot the Ken. rock, baby. I'm just, I mean, Ken, listen, here's the thing. I'm 48. Ken, you're 63? 57. 57. <laughs> is each, each year that goes by, I'm gaining an edge. There you go. So it's going to be a while. Hey, Steve. Steve, <laughs> did we like Kevin O'Neill? Kevin O'Neill, when he was at Northwestern, did you like him? He was the head coach. You didn't I, follow I, it then? I'm, I'm a football guy. I, oh, I, I, that's I, true. That's true. There's an old handicapper from Atlanta that he used to do some shady business with. I thought that's who you were talking about. Any other podcast thoughts? I say fast. We got, we got Brandon back here. And please don't be shy because we want to keep improving. I love the the big picture trends, and I know you try to focus on that a lot and stuff that we can take from year to year. That I mean, you do it a lot, so just I'm going to say keep that up. I like the analytical stuff, so you know I know that doesn't appeal to everyone, but uh, I would say the trends number one and the analytical is number two. Well, and, and it's a good combination because the reality is I don't have the time to right. handicap the in the NFL I do, but in every other sport I'm leveraging these guys their expertise and brad really is a fanatic brad real in a in a wonderful way he is streaming spring games on the internet 
I mean, how many spring games do you typically watch a year? 45 or 50. I mean, it, this guy, it, it's in his blood. And he's a good guy. Now, again, he's Sometimes. Big, huge ego, and we exploit it. But he is a good guy. What I really enjoy is uh, when you really break down the strategy behind the batting, you know, when you get into this stuff about how much is a... Like the mechanical parlay we uh, just talked about. Yeah, exactly right. And how much 10 cents is worth and all that stuff. And most of that relies on Fezzik. But, but I really enjoy that. That helps inform me a lot. So thank you. There was a... Uh, th- thank you. There was a movie... What was it called? Life on the Line? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I didn't like it too much because they didn't include me. But someone said to Fezzik, they said, he, he may not be the best handicapper in the world, but he is most certainly the best batter, sports batter in the world. And that's the thing. Picking games and executing on your bets are two separate things. And when it comes to execution, but let me just say this. When I'm executing anything that matters, he's doing it for me. So and, and those lessons are equally important as when three pointers matter or when they don't. Stevie boy. Yes. More podcast comments over here. Hey, so I'm actually kind of considering mortgaging my house on UCF tomorrow. And I was kind of I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I was kind of like wanting you guys to talk me out of it because it's like it's my house, you know, it's like oh <laughs> so the stakes are high. So you're so uh, so you're betting like seventy percent of Kelly. Yeah, yeah, I mean like a lot of units like like maximum units on UCF. Um I'm trying to figure out I if you guys can tell me, I'm trying to figure out how VCU will score because VCU like can't shoot at all. And, like, UCF has, like, Taco Fall, and he kind of just, like, hangs out there. He's, like, 7 foot 12 or something like that. I, I think I'm the and, only person uh, up here that will talk you off of UCF. Steve, well, get, I mean, like get the, control of the mic. Well, like, the UCF defense, they just kind of shift around. Taco Fall, he just kind of sits in the key, and, UC, and VCU can't, like, And, by the way, Ken all. wants to know if you have any Percocets. For after the show, he wants to. I'm just relax saying, like VCU can't score. So if you could talk me out of mortgaging my house on UCF, that'd be awesome. Thank you. I mean, it sounds like he's on. Yeah, the you want you? Do you want to convince? I'm him on to the do UCF it? side. I mean, uh, without you know Marcus Evans, he's going to play, but I don't think he's going to be 100. percent I th- I think UCF's the right side. That's a scary thing for me. You say where's VCU going to score from? If Marcus Evans is right. VCU is going to score. And one thing I saw uh, the first game that UH played, uh, Houston played against UCF. They ran so much that Central Florida had to take Taco Fall off the floor. They couldn't. He couldn't keep up with the pace of the game. And VCU is a high-paced team. They want to run up and down. And if Taco, all the the recent success that UCF has had, they've been able to slow games down and play in the half court. If they can't do that. Then they're going to be in trouble. I, it's a game. It's it's a pass for me. So I, I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna tell you to to bet the other way either. But you got I, I do have some reservation about UCF. Well, let me ask the panel here: If we play UCF, do we parlay it to the under? Is it correlated? Yeah, I think there's correlation there. Absolutely. All right, we're gonna finish up. We got three Saturday games, right? We haven't gone over. I yep. only want to hear from likes. One last question. I think I know the answer because this is a hardcore audience. When Brad goes with totals, would you like to me? I'm thinking half the people don't ever bet totals. So like, 
Like, do you think, do you want to hear totals or would you rather hear like, you would? Because it's the hardcore crowd. All right, all right, I got it. All right, Brad, go ahead. What's first? First one is uh, Kentucky, a six-point favorite over Wofford. I can't bet it until I learn. Who's, you know, who's, who's Wofford? Wofford. Wofford. Okay, okay. Yeah, can, I can't bet it until I know the status of P.J. Washington. This line right here at six now, says wh- he's What do you think the line's assuming? That he's questionable. I think if, he, if he's going to play, it's, I think he's worth two and a half, three points. If he's going to play, this line is seven, seven and a half. If he doesn't play, then it'll probably be more in the five range. Anyone disagree with that? Nope. All right, next game. Next game is Michigan minus six and a half over Florida. I like Florida. I'll bet the Gators. I think it's a, a Florida team that that's. You no, let, at, let me ask you this. Yeah, it's been dog. You had a great stat on the radio today. First thirty-two games, what the line moves were. Yeah, tw- two line. Two of the thirty-two games didn't see much line movement. Of the remaining thirty. 24 of the 30 games saw the line go with the dog, meaning the line got lower. It, it dropped. So if you're going to bet dogs, I mean, I would say bet them more early than, than waiting until game day at this but point. But now if you like a Florida who's a favorite, you're saying, right? No, 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 no. Florida plus six and a half over okay. Michigan. So that's one. Walk out here, hope they're open, and bet it if you like it. Yep, absolutely. And right. I mean, the reason is Florida's under undervalued. If you look at the Ken Palm stats, Florida's one of the unluckiest teams in the country. They're much better than their record indicates, and they're playing their best ball. And Michigan, this is another team that's playing two games in three days, and we saw Michigan run out of gas just last weekend in the Big Ten Championship game. I, I agree with them on Florida, and mostly as a fade of Michigan. I don't love that Florida team, but Michigan is a, a team that's running on fumes late in the season, and tournament play is not going to help that out. All right, last one. Uh, Auburn, a one-point favorite over Kansas. Anybody got a like? I'm I liked it at a pick. I like Auburn at a pick. I'm, it, I'm it, taking Auburn. The, the, it's already moving to a one, one and a half. But at it, it, one, I'll, I'll still take an Auburn. I, green I, button that one. I'll green button you too. I'll well, take what, Kansas. I watched the post-game press conference uh, with, with Bill Self. He said, "Hey, our guys finally clicked." Uh, the chemistry between our guys, they just had the look we haven't had all year. I'll take all right, so this is, this is a good way to end it. Not almost end it. So you like Kansas. I like Kansas. You both like uh, I, I know, Look, I know Bruce Pearl personally. I First time I met Bruce Pearl was 1995. I was calling UC Riverside games. Met them in the national championship. Bruce was coaching Southern Indiana. And we had them by 18 points. Second half, they ended up catching us, beating us by two points. Bruce is a stickler. He did not blow that game or nearly blow that game, but one of his players nearly did, and it's a veteran player. First off, the guy didn't even know he had four fouls. He fouls purposely at the end of the game with 15 seconds when Bruce says, we don't foul a three-point shooter unless it's under eight seconds. And Hunter goes and he fouls a guy. He didn't even know he had, so he fouls out. They take their best player, as far as ball handler, that they want to have the ball off the, off the court. Bruce Pearl was blowing a gasket. All right, so this I'm, is... RJ, just hear me out. Everything that could go wrong went wrong for Auburn. So the one-point game today... Relax, the, relax. I'm just saying, the one-point game today was deceiving. They were up by 15 points on New Mexico State. They had that game. Kansas got an easy draw against Northeastern. Pusichi couldn't throw a pee in the ocean, who's their best player... Auburn will click on all cylinders. They got great three-point shooting. You'll see the same team that blew out Tennessee. Ten, more nine, so. eight. Okay. Now, what's the bet? I think one sounds like the fair line. Yeah, that's the line right now. So our standard bet's 200. So 200? Yep. 200? Absolutely. 
Let's go. All right. You, green button live without the green button. RJ, we've got one comment from the audience on Kansas. Okay. <laughs> he forgot what he was saying, but is Kansas this year's Syracuse? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is Kansas... This year, Syracuse. Thank you, Steve. All right, so let, let me repeat the <laughs> let me repeat the question: Is Kansas <laughs> this year's Syracuse? Well, what do you so, mean by so, so very, this year's Syracuse? Very underrated, traditional power that is being disrespected. They're ready to go on a run. I mean, I've been wanting to ask that question all night. Thank you. I, I, I think I, they were disrespected today, but they're not going to have that same success against a speedy team that's got four three point shooters. Northeastern didn't have that. They don't have the speed. Now you're going to see different. And you saw Kansas struggle mightily because LeGerald Vick left, and we all know they're covering something up. You don't lose a 45% three-point shooter that goes home to mama, supposed to come back before the senior day, never comes back, and it's brushed under the rug. Kansas is hiding something. Self is in a lot of trouble with these tapes coming out too. So Kansas better do something this year because they're going to be on probation. Kenneth, I love you. Something to keep in your back pocket. If I win this bet and Kansas advances, they will be playing at home in Kansas City in the next in the Sweet 16 Elite A rounds. I do think it's important. I saw the post game for Auburn. Bruce Pearl. He's. It should be a celebratory mood, right? You won a game. It was like a funeral in that locker room. I don't want Auburn. All right, boys. So we've gone over everything. Is there anything else? Is there any questions? I mean, we're open. We're ready to wrap. But if you got anything, we good? Oh, right here. Ladies first or ladies last. And if you want to say anything in a sultry voice about Fezzik, it will probably be used as a drop. <laughs> um, with, the, with the dogs, you know, uh, doing well today, do you – why would you think that the dogs are going to do – tomorrow all right that's it really is a good question because there's two sides to it one is is there something fundamentally macro style different about this season that's making there be more parity right so that's what we were debating early but on the other hand if it's random and people are betting dogs because hey they've been winning now all of a sudden i want to bet favorites so I think the analogy would be if we're flipping a coin and it's a fair coin and it's plus 100 both ways, there's 20 straight heads. Someone says, hey, heads is it, heads is it. I'll give you plus 101. If I trust that coin, I'm going to bet that guy to him blue on tail as a plus 101 because something that was random changed the price. That's the question we've been debating pretty much all day. Are the dogs a sign of something fundamental changing? Or is it random and we can take advantage of the price? I think my conclusion is Brad's a couple of games were a couple of buckets or we wouldn't have had this conversation. All right, we good? Guys, thank you so much. One more, one more, one more. Sorry. One more to the left. RJ. Fair fair enough. To the left. One last thing I'm going to say, though, if that's okay, Steve. This to me was special. So if you ever need anything from me personally, it's rj at pregame.com is my email. Remind me you were here tonight and you'll get special treatment. All right, just um, real quick. Is there anything in in in-game wagering that you guys look for, like a volatility of a particular team to take advantage of a line opening? 
hedge back against it. So listen, if you were working at 7-Eleven, <laughs> Fez would swing by every Monday and... <laughs> That'd be so awesome if your 7-Eleven guy showed up. Does everyone, has everyone heard that story? It is the best. Fez, I'm going to give you three full minutes to talk in-game. All right, I'm going to give my number one favorite tip in in-game wagering college basketball. The situation you're looking for is a team that's a, a big favorite that's supposed to win, and that team is murdering the other team with eight minutes to play. So there's a media timeout. That is the time typically to go ahead and play under in the game. And why do you play under this circumstance? I'll give you examples of three games that just occurred. Michigan killing Montana, Kentucky crushing Abilene, Gonzaga way up on Fairway Dickinson. So the team that was supposed to destroy the lesser seed has done so. The game is over. There's nothing left to prove. So the team that's the big favorite should just coast to the finish line like Michigan. And the team that's beaten knows the game is over. They're down 20-plus points. That's been a very, very profitable situation for me in live wagering to take a big favorite that's up 18 or more points with eight or less minutes to, left in the game to go under. Well, listen, I know I'm square in Albuquerque. I've told that story. I'm square when it comes to in-game batting. Here's my instincts. If a team is missing, because Ken was saying, oh, Yale's missing a bunch of shots because they were defended so well. If you are good at watching a game, you can tell is someone shooting better or worse than they should be based on the defense. If you see that during a game, which is almost analogous to an NFL game where a team might be tied, but they're blowing the other team off the line, so you figure the score says even, but on the field it isn't even, is that something you look for in basketball? A team's been cold, but they've had open looks, and you don't expect that to continue, so you play the team that's had the bad luck on the shots. Yeah, it's a great tip, and that's where you really have to watch the game. So you see a team is one for 18 from three. Are they just missing open shots, or are they all being contested? Example, if you watch the end of the Florida-Nevada game, great coaching job by Florida, where when Nevada got down seven, Florida said they're going to try to catch up shooting threes, and they took away the threes from Nevada, and even in the end game, Nevada couldn't even get a shot off like in the final minute because Florida was contesting all those threes. So that senior nap did you very well. When did you nap from today? The senior. <laughs> what time was oh, your the nap? Senior the nap. senior nap. <laughs> 3 to 4.30. I never would have been able to get through it otherwise. <laughs> and with the natural pause between... Between Listen, the, 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 the morning certain, games and the At a certain age, games. the body just takes over. I mean, I mean, all right, guys, I think we're good, huh? Let me, real quick, let's go down and give them thanks. Steve Fazek, A.J. Hoffman, the very eloquent Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, the hot take hot shot Steve Cofield, and we haven't mentioned him, but he's, he deserves love. Sleepy Jay. There he is. Look at him. This is a Marine. This guy went to the Army. Which order was it? It was Marines first? He, he went to the Marines and said, you know, that was fine, but I'm going to then go into the Army to keep serving. And then he went to me, so I think, I don't know. <laughs> but he, he really is the glue. He's part of the glue for pregame. Great job, guys. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy the games. 
Thank you.